Hello there, it's season four of the Attitude Era podcast. This is brought to you, of course, by our lovely backers over on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast, ensuring that we're going in bright and chipper into the year 1997. If you want to become a backer and get access to a whole bevy of special bonus content, almost 50 hours of the SmackDown crawl where Adam and I review all of SmackDown. We're into the year 2000 now. It's going swimmingly. The Bibliotech book report series where we do deep dive podcasts and Adam goes through all of the fabulous wrestling books that we've come across and less fabulous ones like Ryback's book or Hardy Boys exist to inspire. Part 3 is up now and of course one of the most exciting parts of being part of our Patreon and a backer is getting access to gamesmanship or video review series and for backers right now there is a whole new bumper episode, the fifth volume of gamesmanship clocking in at well over 90 minutes as Adam and I physically for 1997 get to grips with the all time classic WWF Warzone. It's available right this second. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. But for now, enjoy this, the first episode of season four. It's time for WrestleMania 13. everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. A new season is afoot. Hello everyone, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Mann, welcoming you back for a fourth gasp season of the Attitude Era podcast. And I am of course joined as always by my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. First to my left, 1997 Adam Flubber Bibolo himself. How are you doing today? It's not actually 1997, Mia. It's not a six-year-old boy on the podcast. <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Kevin. How are you? I'm pretty excited about all this. Yeah. I mean, just from watching the bits leading up to the show and the show itself, I'm already believing that season four is going to have thrills, spills, and chills. Yeah, I'm immersed deeply in 1997. It's good to be around the Attitude Era again. I'll like. say, I guess we should probably uh, ask this question going around, but I have never watched this 1997 stuff week to week. This was from before I was a fan, and while I've seen a lot of the big matches and moments, and maybe some of the pay-per-views week to week and going in depth, this is my first time ever. How about you, Adam? Uh, aside from the odd match here and there, I've not seen any of '97. I've not really? seen. I've not seen any pay-per-view all the way through from this year. Like so, like this is gonna be your first time seeing like Brett properly. Yep, this is all fresh to me, and I'm doing the same as Kevin this time around. I'm watching every episode of Raw along the way, and I'm trying to stay immersed fully in the storylines. Like. This is very, very interesting. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in this season, and I should probably say from the offset, uh, our intentions with this season is by no means to provide any sort of a story or a narrative about the new generation. We are very much tourists here looking around the bones at the end of the new generation to see 
what sense, if any, we can make of this prologue year before Austin was crowned as champion. And that's where we're heading to. We're going to be going up to WrestleMania 14 for a bit of a revisit. I'm joined, of course, as well, to my right by the baddest man on the planet. And because it's 1997, you're the only one making that claim in the world of wrestling. Hello, Billy Keeble. Hello. Are you excited for a little bit of 1997? Uh, well, let me tell you, when I was coming up here to record this, I was actually listening to a podcast about the atrocities of Joseph Mangala, so I am very much in the spirit to talk about WrestleMania 13. <laughs> wow! <laughs> well this enough. fucking sucks, mate. So this... I, I predict now I'm going to hate this season. <laughs> There's a Billy here now who's just had his fucking sweet pudding of watching uh, SummerSlam 2005. Literally. It's not all custody of Dominic in a ladder match. There's some work to be done here, Billy. And uh, what's your experience with 1997? I've seen the odd moments and matches, but I think month to month, a lot of these characters are going to be new to me. Yeah. There's a lot of new characters today, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new characters coming up that I, I'm not familiar with, who, strangely enough, are not here in a year's time. Very, very peculiar how much this roster is different, even though we've only gone back 12 months. And 12 months is a lifetime in wrestling, and while we'll be looking at the likes of Owen Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin, getting to see the rise of uh, The Rock and whatnot, uh, we've got a lot of characters and people who we're very, very familiar with. Uh, Ken Shamrock coming in here as well. But a lot of characters who, I don't know if you, I mean, have you seen Sid Vicious or Ahmed Johnson much before? I've seen Sid break his leg in the last pay-per-view of WCW. That's about <laughs> my only experience of Sid. Yeah, uh, Bret Hart, have you seen much of, uh, of Bret? I saw the matches that we watched when we did the Owen episode. Mm. I, uh, so I've seen those matches before, but aside from that, I don't think I've seen any Brett matches. Oh my god, so here we are, 1997. There's a bit of a Monday Night War that's going on, and WWE is getting its ass whipped. Lots of big stars have head over to WCW, and WWE seems to be, uh, I don't know, treading water a little bit. Changes are on the horizon. We've gone from Raw to Raw is War, and the War Zone. There's lots more fire and Warhammer 40k imagery. And a young Stone Cold Steve Austin is wobbling his head around and being all types of sassy. Let's dive in to our first episode of Season 4. It's WrestleMania 13. It's traditionally the grandest night in the World Wrestling Federation. WrestleMania, the great spectacle, the granddaddy of sports entertainment. A magical night where dreams become reality, where legends stand immortal, where incredible feats of athleticism are indelibly etched in the annals of time. But this year, a tempest engulfs utopia. This year, Clouds of hatred and anger have eclipsed the heavens, shed darkness upon the gods. We've watched as our heroes step down from their pedestals, witnessed malicious attacks by a depraved nation, beheld the dark, disturbing flashes from a once benevolent force. Tonight, three determined men unite to wage war against an evil nation. Their battleground, the cold, unforgiving streets of Chicago. Tonight, two giants appear willing to shed their noble armor, to embrace their dark sides, to possess the coveted gold. And tonight, two angry young men destined to destroy each other will endure intolerable pain in a brutal submission match. It's WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals, the greatest night in sports entertainment. 
It's supposed to be a night of celebration, a time to rejoice. But tonight, none of these men are smiling. WrestleMania 13, unlucky for some, but here we are nonetheless. WrestleMania 13, does anyone know what the tagline is of our pay-per-view here tonight? Heat. 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 So heat, this is basically like, I don't know, like a precursor to Sunday Night Heat, I'm feeling like, mm -hmm. you know? Because it definitely feels like a three-hour Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a hot, big crowd here, folks. It's the, the height of the uh, of WWF. Uh, 18,000 packing Ooh. them in here. Hi. This e I had to double check. This is a WrestleMania. Yep. Even though the WrestleMania, I mean, we did WrestleMania 2000, we did WrestleMania 15, and WrestleMania 17. Uh, two of those were a little underwhelming in their own way. But God, this really feels rinky dink, doesn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, Adam, from your point of view, from the visuals, what are some of the differences you may have noticed, or visually, production speaking, how is this a different product from what we were watching in season one and two? Are you talking about WrestleMania, or are you talking about 97 in general? 97 in general. There's a lot less flash, there's a lot less breakneck editing, the show is still far more sports broadcast oriented, mm. like, far more post-match interviews, far more, like, people trying to grab a quick word with someone on the way to the ring is treated more like they're journalists trying to get a hold of athletes. The production, like the, the editing and stuff, you're more likely to get the kind of, you know, the level of package we get at Rebellion where it's just, you'll have a bit of music and it'll be Michael Cole going like, and then what happened next week? The British Bulldog came to, and those are the kind of promo packages yeah. you get to sort of set you up for matches. There's but. no gunshot set to right hands here, folks. Nice. No, we are nowhere near that OTT level of presentation yet. And while it's definitely something that we will get into throughout this season, the thing that has struck me immediately about 1997 WWE is how much of like a mom and pop shop type of scenario <laughs> Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, you hear, you know, we watch Beyond the Mat, which is filmed around this time, and it's like, oh, ECW is not like these other companies. Paul books the show while mom does laundry. It's like, yeah, well, Vince McMahon books the show while, you know, his servants do laundry in his mansion. Yep. But it's still two people or three people sat around a table yeah. or a pool, and it's shocking the details that we found out about like how ramshackle a lot of this is filmed like vince mcmahon in a limousine telling jim Cornette to go out and film a segment on the street in new york that they don't have film permission for yeah this is the norm in 1997 yeah, like. 97 wrestlemania traditionally the grandest night of the year but this year a tempest engulfs utopia uh, that's pretty cool verbiage. I think you put more mustard on that than the actual narrator did. It doesn't feel like a WrestleMania this narration. Was awful. Mm. <laughs> that truly awful opening package. Like, didn't give you goosebumps? No, no, definitely not. Do you think if Freddie Blassie was given this copy, he could have done maybe a little bit more justice? To yes. the Tempest yeah. engulfing utopia. Definitely. Like the mythic figures of old, of Dante's Inferno, the seven circles of hell. It's, I especially love the verbiage, like, because they're, they're talking about how WrestleMania is meant to be this grand event, but it's kind of been ruined almost. By it's the nation like, of domination. It's like, why have I tuned in then? Because it ends it with, it's supposed to be a time of celebration, a time to rejoice, but tonight, none of these men are smiling. <laughs> <laughs> here we go here we go <laughs> i like as well with any time this period where they're like the great history of wrestlemania oh there's liberace dancing and andre the giant and 
Shawn Michaels, uh-huh. all the greats, like all the great WrestleMania moments. Yeah. From Liberace dancing mm-hmm. all the way up to Shawn Michaels mm. jumping off a ladder onto who is that? Doesn't matter. I think mm. maybe he did a splash on Liberace, perhaps <laughs> in that ladder. Act. It's proper like they don't know their own products because it's like when we did Raw 1000 and when they're showing the clip show and oh, there's Regis Philbin. Mm. Why? Like, yeah. Here's a clip, but here's, here's some of the amazing things that have happened on Raw. Here's Regis Philbin like hosting. Yeah. Well, like, Vince McMahon's having a birthday party, and Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Kevin Nash, Diesel, basically everyone who is associated with WrestleMania or being a big star are not featured here tonight. Mm-hmm. And this is a show as well which is really struggling because this originally was going to be Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels Part Two, and that doesn't happen. So instead, we get. Two angry young men. Oh, having a scrap. <laughs> having a scrap, Little like. pups. So, Linda McMahon presents WrestleMania 13 as indoor fireworks go off from Woolworths just as it's closing down forever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh look at the graphics. It is a big fire GIF logo. Clipper presents WrestleMania 13. Pretty much. I see you trying to put on a WrestleMania. Do you need any help? <laughs> <laughs> there was a blimp flying around. Yeah, the Sony PlayStation blimp. Is that any relation to the XFL blimp? It's what gave birth to the idea. Like. <laughs> I was just sitting there worried that this blimp was going to crash down to Earth. And anyway. somehow hit a restaurant inside the stadium. <laughs> hit the concession stand or something like that. Our commentary team here tonight... Good old JR, Jerry the King Lawler, and welcome everyone, Vince McMahon here on commentary. Tennis anyone? I don't think so. Oh! Oh! One, two, WrestleManias? No, it is not going to be a good WrestleMania. Your thoughts, everyone, on this commentary team will get into the specificities. Mm. Well, this was this your first rodeo, Billy, with uh, Vince, yeah. King, and Jr. What do you think of the trio? None of them are on their A game. I don't think this. I don't like this Vince on commentary. I'm very much. I'm very much used to heel Vince. Yeah. So I, this is completely alien to me. It feels like Jr. is being held back and not being able to actually have his potential because he's not he's not running it is he yeah. jr's no. just a, a voice yeah king isn't like he's nowhere near as he's not as offensive as i was expecting him to be because he was he became a lot more sedate during attitude era of all things from what i understand compared to here this yeah. is this is fucking firebrand jerry lawler here he <laughs> is fucking burning shit down with his hot takes like. but even king here is like his heart's not in it no one's heart vince's heart is in it JR and Kings isn't. It's really strange because this is a PG show. This is a PG show, PG product. We're not attitudes. We're not in any way, shape, or form saying that we're we're meant to be edgy yet. This is meant to be no bloods. You can't say hell, you can't say hate, you can't say damn. This is all stuff you can't do. And yet you've got fucking spicy Jerry Lawler still yeah. trying to, mm. you know, colour outside the lines a bit. What did you think of this commentary too? Uh, I don't know. I've heard far worse. I think it helped that, like, having recently done SummerSlam 05, this seems like, by contrast, you know, at least yeah. Coach ain't around. But I don't know. It's it's more Vince in particular that I find interesting because, like you say, JR's kind of held back. He's not able to be the full play-by-play guy. So Vince ends up getting a lot of the mic time. And <clears throat> I think he's way too much of a fucking suck-up and a goody two-shoes. He's... He's too much of a baby face on commentary, I think. Like, yeah, and I don't think Vince realises how 
like forced his enthusiasm comes off it's really obnoxious a lot of the time like it's really jarring when you've got like jay lawler who's being like oh i'm nasty and jr is being like you know fucking real sports journalist and mm-hmm. vince is like well that's not very nice guys yeah. you know it's yeah. like all right can you go back to 1984 with literally it's very outdated so it's going to be interesting to look at Vince McMahon on commentary, seeing as he's the man notorious on the headsets to commentators, bullying them to do it the way he wants it to be done. So this is the way he wants it to be done, is it? the way he it? wants it to be done. Okay. What a maneuver. Starting things off. Oh, boy. <sighs> Start as you mean to go on. Godwins taking on the Headbangers. You know it's bad when it's like, oh, I recognise these guys. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I've gone to camp and I'm really lonely. But oh, the bully I don't like from school is here. Hey. <laughs> oh, fuck. Don't forget about the other two teams in this match, Kevin. Yeah, uh, the new Blackjacks. <laughs> and then a team which had the fucking unfortunate nature of not even having their names show up correctly. Yeah. <laughs> it's sh- it, it said headbangers, but only yeah. for a second. So it's like, yeah. wait a minute, they're not the headbangers. Who are they? Who cares? You're not going to know. It wasn't until a minute into this match where Jim Ross is like, Doug Furness and Phil LaFont, great tag team. Oh, that's who they are then. They the must blokes. be great. Yeah. <laughs> What's their gimmick, Billy? I have no clue. Mm, me neither. Would it shock you to find out that those are two of the absolute best wrestlers in the world, pound for pound, at that point in time? Yes, it would, because I've been watching Raw. Like I've watched the last three months of Raw leading up to WrestleMania, and all you ever see of them is little bits and pieces, and they have no gimmick. Like They're very much like the Dynamite Kid, Chris Benoit, Finn Balor, Daniel Bryan, like workhorse, smaller, intense, technical, hard-hitting style. And they had a great fucking run in Japan. And <laughs> forget their names. No, like at WrestleMania. Uh, Henry O, Phineas I, the Godwins. Do you recognize these boys, Billy? One of them's Midian. It is. Mm. And we actually saw the other one as well. This was uh, Southern Justice, if you Oh, recall. really? Yeah. Well, I'll be. You didn't really recognize them because they weren't doing a trick shot to get 10 grand. <laughs> but, you know. Billy Jim and Midian in the same screen together on the same side. Mm. Pretty impressive. It's a shame the music was dubbed over. I'm assuming it was Country Boy, yeah, was it? Like, country, country Boy, Country Boy. Instead, we get literally... It's Crash Bandicoot losing. Riding the Warthog. Hillbilly Jim is... I'm not sure why he's with them, because, again, I've been watching these Raws, and Hillbilly wasn't, hasn't been with them, has no, he? No, he has not been on telly, like... They've barely been on telly, to be honest. Do you guys know the uh, the goofs with their name? It's Hog and Pig. And it, yeah. Pig Hog. Pig Hog. We're going to have to start watching Shotgun Saturday Night if we're going to try and understand the mid-card here. Kevin. Yeah, because like... there's a lot of uh, stuff not being filled in here. Backstage. Oh, boy, here's oh. someone. A well-paid man indeed. Six figures, Todd Pettengale. Quarter of a million dollars downside a year. Two days in the office. Didn't have to go to live events. What a fucking life. That is a deal and a half. That is such a deal. Me and Adam watched a shoot with Cornette where it's a kayfabe commentaries do timeline series where they look at specific years. They did 97 with Cornette and Cornette said that they had hired someone whose job was going to be to do the hiring, the, the non-wrestling hiring. So office people, commentators, broadcast positions, mm. that type of a thing. They didn't know the, the hierarchy and the pay structure. One of the first things they did was they hired Todd Pettengale who was like a radio DJ 
you know, morning drive time type of guy. He was, you know, he, you can tell from Todd that he's got the skills. He can yeah. talk, yeah. It ain't fucking a six-figure skill set that he's got. No. And it's certainly not good for wrestling, I don't think. It's a bit cheesy. But he was getting paid more than most of the boys. He was getting paid more than Mick Foley probably was mm. at this point in time. Mm. And he's with the new <laughs> Blackjacks. Ho ho! The new Blackjacks! Ha! Ride again! Woo! <laughs> Yippoo! Is not fake mustache on Bradshaw. That is uh, the That's benefit. real, is it? That is a real shoe mustache. Highlight of the new Blackjacks run was Bradshaw telling Own Heart in a shoe on Raw. You got some real purty lips, boy. Uh, I'm uh, going to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where the... What is this? We went one year. Yeah. One year. And Bradshaw looks like fucking like... I'm not Bradshaw. My name's Mr. Snrub. <laughs> and I come from far away. <laughs> Thoughts on the new Blackjacks? What an awful idea. Yeah. Like, I hate this fucking... Well, some of us here in the office remember a tag team from the 70s that none of you are going to know, but we're going to put new in front of it, my God, and you're going to love it. Like, they try it again with the new Midnight Express, and I hate this gimmick. I think it's such a fucking waste of two young guys. Such a late 90s thing to do. It's it is. Yeah. New. And then, like, in late, late 90s, it became putting the word 2000 yeah. after yeah. it, like... And it only appeals to the lads in the back. Well, I'll tell you who appeals to You were saying, like, the lads in the office came up with this. Blackjack Lanza, one of the head fucking producers at the time. Well, there it is. There man, it is like, like, living so. vicariously through Bradshaw. Honestly. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I envision this whole new obsession that they were doing was that it's some sort of like get out scenario where Vince McMahon wants to transfer the minds of his aging <laughs> inner circle like check it out Pat Patterson you're gonna be the new gold dust like, you, know, you get to transfer your consciousness into them oh god yeah so JR is full of great lines of commentary here he says that Henry O. Godwin is difficult to slam cause he's full of grits <laughs> <laughs> now all of us here we're full of eggs we yeah. Had a big yeah we egg, are an egg brunch and you want to be slamming us because we're full of eggs boys it's difficult like, the crowd goes from red hot at the start to dead death quiet it's Wrestlemania baby oh. it's Wrestlemania baby and then within three minutes of the match the rules fall apart at the seams yeah as Headbanger Mosh gets tagged in as does Headbanger Thrasher and Vince McMahon is like well, now the headbangers are going to have to fight themselves. Yeah. No, they're not. And they're what's going to happen, McMahon? It's like, well, if they pin them, then they'd be eliminated and they'd both have to go to the... Guys, this isn't working. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can we workshop this? Live this was a head? shit idea. Oh, my God. And we've always hated this. Look, we got so many of these in season one and yeah. we hated them every time. I'm going to tag my opponent in. <laughs> Take that. Hope you win. There's a little glimmer of great wrestling in this match. Uh, there are some glimmers here. This is like panning for fucking gold, and you, know, you find little flakes. Mm. Nice little flake here. Doug Furness and Barry Windham in the ring. Uh, the moment they were in the ring, it's very, very good. It's very, very good. Except I thought that Windham was Bradshaw because they look exactly the fucking same. Yeah. Like, yeah. Any tight team where the gimmick is you look exactly the same as your partner, it don't usually work. Like unless you're twins. <laughs> like. King and JR continue to pick holes in the rules as Vince McMahon fake laughs. Like, hang on a second, Vince. This doesn't make any error. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Why are you kicking me under the desk, Vince? Sloppy ass suplex to the outsides. 
The referee gets bopped by Bradshaw, what? so he gets DQ'd. You make it sound like it was an accident. Bradshaw literally is he beating just someone. He's like, shoves the referee, like, fuck you. And Vince goes, wow, what a stupid maneuver. Well, it is, yeah. I guess if you want to call it for what it is. And then Lanza's like, you told me this buddy was ready to go. He's an idiot. I'd never <laughs> DQ myself. Burgess and LeGromp are counted out as well, so yeah. there you go. Exactly the same time. It literally goes from being a four-way match to being a tag team match in, like, five seconds. And we go from a four-way match that includes Furnace and Fonts, legitimately great tag team, Wyndham and Bradshaw, both hosses. Yeah. You know, Wyndham, fabulous wrestler. Down to the Headbangers oh. versus the Godwins. Well, it's like the cultural wars of the time. There was a lot of, like, you know, the heavy metal scene really didn't gel well with the pork industry. Like, they just really had it out for each other, didn't they? Like, Speaking of metal, they're talking about how the headbangers are really hip and they're all up to date with their music. Yeah. And King is admonishing Vince for not being up to date with his music in 1997. He doesn't know the hot new 1997 yeah, act. He doesn't, he doesn't know White Zombie. Like. No, he says, you still think Fleetwood Mac is a new burger at McDonald's. Oh! Yeah, that hot 1997 band climbing the charts Fleetwood Mac <laughs> fuck you Vince for not being down with the kids knowing about the Mac yeah Fleetwood Mac is just there playing away and then like, it's like you know Drake or some or Ariana Grande like whoa this is new edgy new music <laughs> it's so young and hip anytime Martian Thrasher do a dive which is often terrifies me mm-hmm. like we saw them wrestle in season one a fair bit and it, someone had obviously told me that point like don't be doing no fucking moonsaults lads and here they're fucking they nearly kill themselves their center of gravity is all off it's like moonsaults aren't gonna work for you lads you're, you're better off doing like a bottle flip challenge with yourselves it's because they're like wearing the skirts like you can't get <laughs> like a dynamic like, yeah. like. hot tag to pig godwin <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets the stage dive by Marsh. The headbangers win. Fucking, oh my god! Billy, did you catch, there was one point where the Godwins went to hit their finisher. Did you catch what it was called? No. <laughs> the slop drop. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there with the alley-oop for me. Oh, like. Slop no. drop, yeah. That, that's what Noah Evans used to do to people on uh, oh. House Party. He slop dropped them. Sliming sounds so much better than dropping it slop, does. doesn't it? I'd like? rather get, any day of the week I'd take slime over slop, mate. If you don't eat enough fibre and healthy foods, you will have a slop drop. And oh. that is a bad time. It was a bad match. That was, that was a bad match. That was an ominous omen of like yeah. 1977. It's like there's some really good wrestlers in there, but pig farmers and headbangers. Yeah. Wee! Hey! Bad, bad wrestling and insipid commentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starting us off on a hot, hot angle there, guys, mm. as we mean to go on. Sportsmanship, camaraderie, respect, <laughs> in your gaff. April 20th. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. Uh, hopefully I'll play this one uh, a few more times later on tonight. Oh, coming to the ring. Oh, oh. this oh. is a surprise. He's got his long sideburns. He does. He's got his hair slicked back. He's coming to our town in a mean Cadillac. Oh, he's just... Oh, it's just the honky-tonk man. Or if you're like me and Adam, who watched the Raw from Germany, Von Memphis, Tennessee, Dare Honky-Tonk Man. (laughs) (laughs) This is 1997. As the honky-tonk man comes out, coked up to the nines. Captain Lou Abana dancing around (laughs) in the fucking audience. Arnold Scaland looking really disappointed with how things have turned out. And Honky Tonk Man is gassed by the time he gets uncomfortable. He's like, 
Oh, Mike Mann. I got my alongside birds and I'm going to say bye to you. I need a haircut. What are you laughing at, Jim Ross? <laughs> you don't think I got any more? Look, I can sing. I can dance. I can shake around and roll with them all. Hunky Dunk Man, baby. Why am I in that ring, Ross and McMahon? <laughs> Do you want to know what Hunky Tonk Man's gimmick is at the moment? I want to be cloned, McMahon. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> he came out on Raw dancing around with this fucking like blood coming out of his eyes like <laughs> And he just goes, uh, I ain't gonna sang anymore. I wanna be cloned Which then they're like, What do you mean, Hunky Tonk Man? That makes no sense. Ha <laughs> uh, he's looking for an apprentice. Yeah. He's carry on the legacy. The greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and he wants to crown a new intercontinental champion worthy of that legacy. Yeah. I have never realised before how similar Honky Tonk Man and Alex Jones are. <laughs> they look a bit alike. They're both nutcases. Yeah. They're both evil. They both blame things on the fact that it was the Attitude Era, man. <laughs> <laughs> when I say 9-11 was an inside job, it was the Attitude it was Era. Man. It was in a different time, like, you know. Uh, JR, I love it straight away when they sit down and King and uh, Honky Tonk Man are like... <laughs> Getting on great together, uncharacteristically getting on. And JR's literally like, anyone would think you two are cousins. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking losers. JR should just bring up Paula, and that would (laughs) piss them off. Dumb bitch, cunt whore. (laughs) Her name was Paula. Coming up next with our guest commentator, Der Honky Tonk Mensch, it's the Intercontinental Championship on the line as that young stud, that blue chip athlete, Dwayne the Maivia Rocky Johnson takes on the mysterious Sultana. The mythical magic of Eastern promises of the Sultan who has got the ancient powers of... Bob Backlund <laughs> and the Iron Sheik. What was that? <gasps> Mixed like, match. What, what, what powers does he gain from that? Can, can he like get an erection doing the camel clutch while saying all 50 states? <laughs> like, is that all he can do? <laughs> like... This whole angle is so peculiar because yep. I remember what I, I watched WrestleMania 13 long, you know, way, way, way back in the day. Like when I got my WrestleMania box sets and the first ones I did because I heard old Brett Austin. And I remember thinking like, why is Rock fighting Super Shredder? Like, why? Mm. What? This is so weird. Why are all these old men with him? I think literally the story was Rocky Maivia was wrestling on Raw, and all of a sudden the Iron Sheik just appeared going, I tell you, no good. Rocky had to him, Maivia. <laughs> and then outside beside him comes Bob Bang going, Intermediately, Mr. Maivia, excrepananeously. <laughs> and then this fucking Shredder, like, it's Rikishi, it by going, the way. Yeah, it's Rikishi. It is. <laughs> And don't forget Tony Atlas shows up as well. He's yeah. like, oh, you're not going to touch the rock, baby. The best thing about this is that they're making out that rock is like, oh, no, 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 no. I've got my own old man to help me. Literally. Tony Atlas, they're showing him in the crowd all the time. Tony Atlas is staring into the abyss like... That's because, obviously, they were told at the start, we're going to do a thing where you come out and you save him. Because The Rock's dad, famously, is a bit iffy about doing business, Mm. I think. He's a 
a bit of a character, let's just say, mm. uh, Soul Man Rocky Johnson. And I get the feeling from when they cut to Tony Atlas, who up until this point was like, I love The Rock and I'm going to help The Rock and all that, and tapped him on the shoulder. And then it goes to him just like chewing gum, looking really surly and ornery. And surprise, surprise, he's not involved in the angle at the end. I, like, I, I uh, just thought he might have feet on the mind or something. Yeah. Ah, what hog feet that he's going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing with Tony Atlas. You mentioned foot and then it's like, well, what's the ones he talking about? <laughs> eating feet. Like, he's having eating feet. Kissing feet. Or like. alleging that the Bella's pissed on on him or something like that you know all those legends house the greatest episode that never was what do you think of young rocky mafia here we've we've had a lot of the rock we had a whole season getting sick of the rock yep got all the way back now had a book report getting sick on the rock like um it's it's really as boring and as bad as everyone's made yeah. it out to be mm. i've heard so much talk of rocky Maivia being an absolute nothing character the episode of raw where he wins the intercontinental champion so flash. and then they talk to him straight away afterwards and he's like well you know i always wanted to make my dad proud and i came out here and i won the intercontinental championship and i really hope i made my dad proud and it's you know he just he's got no charisma, no character. All they have is that he's got a dad, like, and that's it. He looks like he should have charisma though, because he got yeah. he got the little subtleties of the eyes. He's the definition of a blue chipper yeah. in terms of physicality. Like he's a diamond that is so in the rough you could misdiagnose it as just any old piece of coal. Yeah. What do you think of Young Rocky Maivia? Bill? I found it so boring. Just this this character, and because I because what I, is I've, the character? I don't, don't, it's just a bloke. Yeah. He's just a, a nice guy. He's a nice boy. That's he's his, that's he's got music that goes. He's so generic. I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing the character develop. But I know from when we did season one that it wasn't the Rocket fourteen either. No, it was. It was, not. It was a couple of months after that. You know, Rocket fourteen was when he started to come together, like figuring it know? out. Yeah. Right. So this is going to be a year of what is he doing? Because it ain't working here, and I don't think this is like the Rocket saying, "Like oh, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I think I'm going to come out no. and have no character." He just—he's a very, very, very inexperienced guy who's had probably I mean when he was Flex Cavana when we were talking about him he was only a couple of months in yeah, Memphis yeah. and that was it he was up in the big leagues like, and not just oh opening matches and stuff he won the Intercontinental Championship pretty much straight away mm-hmm. like he's only been here since the previous Survivor Series yep. so that's like five, four or five months and they are trying so hard. You've got King and Honky Tonk Man burying him on commentary and being really nasty and despicable. You've got legends in the form of the Sheik and Bob Backlund at ringside trying to disadvantage things against The Rock even more and make him more sympathetic. Yeah. And then you bring in the names of people like Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Like they are trying. It's such a Roman Reigns thing where they like, like put all the of the fucking yeah. all the shine we can on this guy. Like. Do our very best to make him look better than he is. Oh, Shawn Michaels coming! I thought I was a sexy boy. Literally, (laughs) is this pre or post Die Rocky Die? This is pre. Like he's getting some Rocky. The crowd are gonna turn. The crowd don't yet realize that they have the option to let them know that this is shit. Like you know, it's so funny how polite the crowd is. Like, even though the crowd gets ready of points tonight, the crowd is still like, oh, the match is starting, so hey! Yeah. Like, crowds expect so much more now than they did 20 years ago. Like, 20 mm. years ago, it's like, I'm going to the wrestling, I'm going to cheer. You know, mm. the, the goody, the baddie. You know, they give heat and pops 
without seemingly without them earning them, you know, it feels like you have to work a lot harder to get the reactions that people are getting here tonight. Mm. Highlight of this one at the start was when the Iron Sheik was coming out of the ring. He hit Earl Hebner in the back of the head with his flag by mistake. <laughs> Honky Tom Man on commentary though, seriously, he's like, "I ain't racking my via McMahon. I'm gonna go kill him in his sleep, just real slow. I'm gonna put my hand over his mouth and slit his throat." Like he's really fucking giving him the business. Jesus. When they cut to Tony Atlas. King, who obviously is given the go-ahead to bury this lad for being a bit ornery, just goes, Quit chewing gum on TV, you idiots! <laughs> Alright. Did you see what The Rock did at the start? I Sorry, I realise he's rocking my via here. I will keep calling him it's The Rock. It's hard not to, yeah. yeah. But did you see what uh, what El Rocky did at the start here? You know, he's trying to do a little bit of the, the, the kind of the crowd magic, because he's the big mm. baby face. Stares off at the Sultan. The Sultan's been a thorn in his side for... At least fourteen days. Oh like, yeah. yeah, it goes yeah. back a long way. How, shit, man, how long have they been doing this? Years. <laughs> and the Rock does the big stare off like it's fucking Rock Hogan, and then he puts his hand up. And I wrote down here he palpates the crowd with yep. his finger, like he's checking his prostate or yeah. something. <laughs> a, li- a little diddly dee. Yeah, it's so weird. He's, fe- he's feeling the wind like, you know, is, 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 is the wind in my favour today? Like, <laughs> No, it is not because the crowd do not react at all. Rocky, my via. More like rookie, my via. Am I Ooh. right? Ooh. Santa is in control. Sorry, S- Sultan is in control. He does some, you know... Very slow uh, rest holes and nerve holes and stuff. Yeah, I think you meant to be building up to the fire of the young man coming back. You know, it's annoying because we know that the Sultan is capable of so much more in terms of wrestling and in terms of grunts. When he's got that mask over his mouth, you're not yeah. getting any of the. Uh, <laughs> A distinct lack of ass-based offense. Yeah, legit. They covered up that ass. Yeah. Let me see that ass. <laughs> I mean, the Sultan, like, as just as a character, it really seems like if you play like Fire Pro Wrestling or something, it's like an in-build kind of character, or like the Sultan would be an extra character on WCW NWO Revenge yeah. along with Frankenstein. I mean, I like the look, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. so random like who is the sultan why is he a sultan why like, is he here yeah why is he a genie is he a genie <laughs> is he a genie yeah, but he's got big puffy pants and the long hair <laughs> and, the clean shoes. and lots of smoke when he comes out that's true as well like uh you know and uh, you know it's, it's like the genie you make a wish but then something bad happens you think something it's gonna be good but then bob backen is there screaming <laughs> it's, oh, no. it's a curse of the genie it's, it's not even like a twisted wish it's just you get your wish but you also get bob, bob backland yeah i mean oh world peace oh but bob backland is shouting Mm, maybe you should have thought twice you know about the genie's curse very 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 excited to to mention this little did we know who would make an appearance uh, to be mentioned on this podcast none other than international supermodel sensation Cindy Margolis she was at the slammies she wasn't she's making googly eyes at Rackamavia McMahon I've seen it I'm gonna kill him I'm gonna take his kidneys and sell him on eBay (laughs) chill I'm going to chew on his adrenaline gland, yeah. man. This one's all chewed up. Give me another. He is out of his mind. He is yeah. fucking... You know, he's, he's getting like... He was told he's going to call WrestleMania. He's like, right, I'll, I will take this amount of drugs to do me all WrestleMania. It's a three-hour show, so I need, like, all this. Yeah, but oh no, it is only seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Right, seriously, Honky Town Man, if he was on commentary for a minute more, he would have went the 2001 of Space Odyssey. Think, 
Rock is put in a very, 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 very long headlock. But then he makes his comeback with the silly punch flurry. He does a little, I think it's like a testament to Rocky Johnson. He does like a punch, but... He's he, a maniac. He looks nervous because floor. when you see Rocky Johnson doing it, it's like he's fucking, he's proper like jiving and juking and he's like having a good time and feeling the energy. When The Rock does it, it's like, <laughs> like he looks really fucking panicky and scared. Like, sorry, dad. Like, like if uh, a little trickle of sick came out of the way, it's so upsetting. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> he does this really weird, like, punch. And then Jim Ross goes, just like his dad. No. Seriously? Just like his dad? No. All right. Top rope crossbody by The Rock. That's his fucking finisher, you know, Billy. What? He's been winning matches with that on Raw. Fucking hell. I love this. Yeah. The blue chipper. When you come in as a blue chipper, like Randy Orton or or, uh, or, or Rocky Maivia, it's like they give you the finisher where it's like you do a top rope. Because Randy did a top rope crossbody as well when he For started. Sake. And then he's like, yeah, a year later, I realized that's a stupid finish. I shouldn't have to take that type of a bump every night. Obviously. Yeah, it's true. So I wonder if it's there to kind of like, you're meant to figure it out. That's your first yeah, test. Yeah, maybe. That your finisher is bollocks. Possibly. I think they genuinely think it's a big, exciting move that's going to make everyone love this baby face. The Iron Sheet distracts the referee, and then the Sultan gets rolled up, and Rocky wins. Roll up. <sighs> Honky Tonk Man is beside himself mm. uh, as we get an old man beat down and then the Sultana just fucking lays waste to the rock here. It's just like, Honky Tonk Man's meant to be a silly Elvis impersonator yep. who thinks a bit much of himself and he's got a, uh, uh, he's got an accolade to his name about being the greatest intercontinental champion of all time which is like, oh, we can't say, you can't say that because you were mm-hmm. a very long-reigning champion and oh, that Honky Tonk Man. Why is he going, get him, get him, get him, get him! He's so angry and vicious. I'll tell you why. It's the drugs, Kevin. He's keyed up. Yeah, it's the drugs. That's what it is. The old man beat up the Rocky Maivia, and then his dad comes out and saves him. Rocky Johnson, baby. Yeah, Rocky Johnson comes out, and Rocky Johnson saves him, and they both slam the Iron Sheik, which I didn't expect to happen. Yeah, and then they both pull his tongue out at the same time, like, just like you taught me, Pa. Oh, the smell. So, Sheik is taking bumps here. He won't be doing that two years later at Heroes of Wrestling. No, he literally will not. And, yeah, I wrote down, Tony Atlas comes in, right? Nope. No, he doesn't. He was just there. <laughs> no, Tony Atlas, he was the tag partner with uh, Rocky Johnson, and they have a Rocky history. It's just really sad, because obviously Tony Atlas has reached out to you because they reckon Rocky Johnson wouldn't do it. And then Rocky Johnson was like, WrestleMania? Mm. Sign me up, man. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then Tony's like, sorry, you can't do it because if it's between the two of you, we're going to go with his dad. We don't want both of you. We only want the dad. Next night on Raw, Rocky Johnson said, uh, I'm very happy that I was actually asked to be at WrestleMania. Uh, I actually had to buy a ticket to be there. It was very strange I wasn't asked to be at WrestleMania. But I promise I'll never interfere in your match again, son. You never see him again. So, there you go. Wow. Okay. I love it. Like the one, they literally added in like a bit of the exposition and in it he, he made out how he was pissed off that he, like, yeah. you know, he didn't get asked sooner. And he wrote himself <laughs> off the show. Like. So, there we go. Uh, thoughts on Young Rocky? You know what? I retconned this in my mind. I was like, yeah, that's for the European Championship. There's no way they do it for the IC. Mm. Oh, hey. They did. They totally did. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Not a good start. I mean, what was your you you liked The Rock by the end of season one, right? Yeah. It's well, this isn't The Rock. No. This is something else. This is I don't like this. I'm looking forward to seeing The Rock become The Rock later on down the line, like, and see how we eventually get to WrestleMania 14, Rocky. But 
I'm more excited about seeing the Sultan again more than anything because I know that like Rocky My V is crap for a long time, but I didn't even know Rikishi was knocking around at this mm. point. So I mean, I don't know if the Sultan's around for much longer. This is the thing is like we we we're, we're it's gonna be news to us when we when we see these next shows because it's all mm. new to us this time. So well, yeah. If we ever do see him again, then oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Rah. Ah. Ah. Backstage, Tog Pettengale is with Ken Shamrock. All right, Vince, thank you very much. Ken Shamrock, indeed, will be the guest referee in the submission matchup. Brett the Hitman Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Before we talk about that, let's take you guys back to last Monday night. Raw is war. And, Ken, maybe you can tell us exactly what happened with Billy Gunn. Well, I'll tell you, you know, he kind of challenged me outside the ring, so I stepped in right here, went behind an arm lock here. It's a shoulder lock, reverse, and just uh, put a little bit on there. I wasn't trying to hurt him, but I wanted him to know who I was, you know, so I just applied a little pressure and made him squeal. This one here was a dot drop toe hold here. Go behind and reverse me here. A uh, little luck there. I dropped hold on him. Right here, I grabbed the toe and the ankle, and I twisted. I'm not trying to break it. I am just trying to let him know who I am. Well, if Stone Cold Steve Austin or Brett the Hitman Hart get out of line, they both said they will not hesitate to come after you what will be your response? Well, I'll tell you, I was hired here to rep this match because I know submission. And neither one of these guys are going to intimidate me into either, either or one of their favor. I'm here as to be a referee, and that is what I will do. And I will raise the winner's hands, and I will not be intimidated. Ken Shamrock, the special guest referee in that submission matchup. I'm here as to be a referee. Aww. This is like before he's been injected with the rage virus. Yeah. This yeah. is like OG Ken Shamrock. Human being Ken Shamrock. This is when he's just been signed. And I actually remember I've, we've been reading a lot of the Observer newsletters from around this time. And they're making out that this is a game changer. Yeah. Like Ken Shamrock... The world's most dangerous man, the first legitimate star from UFC who has charisma and a look. Because unlike Dan the Beast Severn, Ken Shamrock was in movies with you mm-hmm. know and shit like that. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to be a star, you know. He, he he got that aspect of it. And Shamrock was you know doing all stuff in Japan at the time. And the fact that he signed with WBF was like, oh, this is gonna like really hurt the Japan Japanese business, which was focused a lot on the time of doing a lot of MMA and kickboxing crossover. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Ken ever became the star they wanted him to be. That much was obvious. The way it's reported on makes out that this is like the same magnitude as the Mike Tyson deal would be the next year. Like that, everyone's thinking at this point, this could be a huge turning point for WWF when they get Ken Shamrock in. And he he comes in with a fanfare and he's got charisma for sure, but it certainly is not like a big earth shattering signing. No, and it certainly tells you a lot when, you know, people who are massive MMA fans and insiders are reporting on something that's going to be a massive deal to an audience which by and large doesn't know, care, or care to know to care about UFC. Literally. Which was labelled human cockfighting in 1996 by John McCain and Mm -hmm. that kind of brand stuck. So, if anything, this is less of a coup and more of a WWE like they're doing crossovers with everyone at the moment Triple mm. A in Mexico they're having them on like two or three times a night on yeah. Raw yeah. despite the fact that Vince McMahon keeps calling them Matadors instead of Luchadors <laughs> no seriously he does ECW as well getting lots of primetime spots lots I could not believe how much Raw was dedicated to putting over ECW and putting a spotlight on them like you obviously knew about the invasion of ECW right like yeah. we mentioned it a few times yeah. But my god, it is prominent when they do yeah. it. Like, it's like main events are like yeah. ECW, like a whole, whole there's 
two episodes where ECW are like take up the bulk of the show. Uh, my favourite one of which includes the great debate between Paul Heyman and Jerry the King Lawler. And Paul's not showered in what seems like years and has got every fucking ounce of bile and venom in him. And King, you know what? I, I used to be the person because I was a big ECW fan, you know, growing up. ECW was the cool brand. And like anytime King was running it down, I'm like, oh, that no good Jerry Lawler. But Jerry Lawler is a very important figure in getting ECW over. It, it's not counterculture if there's not an old man who yeah. epitomizes mm-hmm. everything you hate, who, wink, wink, is very much in on it, and Jerry knew what he was doing. He yeah. knew he was putting it over in his roundabout way, because how can you love it unless someone like King hates it? Yeah. So even though he's quite cutting in his remarks, he is still, he's like, I can't believe ECW's going to be on pay-per-view Sunday Literally. night, June 15th. It's yeah. going to be the darkest day in the Royal Wrestling Federation. Can you believe that Taz and Sabu, you know, he's really doing a <laughs> I job I can't believe him. to order the pay-per-view, I have to phone 0800. Like, just giving out the phone number and, and the details. And they do this great debate, Jerry Lawler's like, you ought to be thankful your lucky stars that you get a plug of stinking pay-per-view here and I can't believe the stuff that you guys do it's so wild and extreme the blood the fire the, I don't know what you're gonna do next and then Paul Heyman's like oh you wanna shoot how are the kids doing down on the swings in Louisville huh? uh, your own son won't talk to you Jerry Lawler oh no oh Paul no <laughs> we just did a little business please. King's helping you and King is like oh this is like one of the wild brawls from ECW I don't know what's gonna happen next Oh my, my son won't talk to me because we've had a lot of misunderstandings. Is this the first time I've ever felt sorry for Jerry Lawler? Like, I feel genuinely bad for him in that scenario. Keep in mind that Heyman is, you know, he's not, he's not pulling those accusations out of the fucking blue, I guess. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. It's all right, we're all back to Earth. <laughs> Todd is uh, asking Ken to talk him through uh, what he did to Billy Gunn on Raw. Just let him know who I am, like, from one king of the ring to another. This is a lovely burial because they're just going over the footage and Shamrock's just listing the myriad yeah. ways that he kicked Billy Gunn's ass. <laughs> you see, the thing about Billy here is that he's not very, very good, so I was able to really twist that ankle. And, uh, he's all glamour muscles, Billy Gunn, so it's very easy to uh, manipulate. You've got, you got footage of Billy on screen being like, Wah! <laughs> I didn't mean anything by it. I was showing him who I am. And as we all know, he is here as to be a referee tonight for Austin and Bret Hart. Backstage... Whoa, man, it's oh. Doc Hendricks! Oh, you human headache. Hey, he gone, oh. ghost. Hey, hey, Triple H, why did you go jump off the Titan Tron? <laughs> <laughs> hey, China, you ever take a pile driver? <laughs> it's real easy. <laughs> you just jump on your head. <laughs> Hell no, I ain't doing it. <laughs> so, he's out with Triple H in China. All right, Todd, standing here with Slammy Award-winning Hunter Hurst. Helmsley and Hunter, you know, we're still a little unsure of your relationship with China. I mean, is she a personal assistant? Is she an employee? Is she your boss? What is the deal? Doc Hendricks, this is WrestleMania 13. We're in Chicago, Illinois. It's the granddaddy of them all. And as far as China goes, you don't need to know anything about it. All right, be that as it may, what about right now? Gold Dust. We've seen China get involved, attack Marlena. Can you take Gold Dust one on one straight up? I can take Gold Dust any way I want. Today I'm going to take him straight up one on one. But the big loser is going to be Marlena because you had the chance and you turned it down. So your special talent had better be running with China at ringside tonight, Marlon. Young boy, Triple H. Hey. Uh, hey, everyone, it's me, Triple H. <laughs> uh, basically, what I'm going to do is go out there tonight at WrestleMania 13, and I'm going to take out Goldust. 
you, Marlena, you could have had it all. But instead... <laughs> it's just... He's, he's unbroken his voice in, hasn't yeah. he? He grows so much in one year. Yeah. yeah it's legit. crazy. He's like... At the moment here, he's still technically being buried in inverted commas. Yeah. This is just him on the upswing after the whole stuff happened with his friends saying goodbye mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, the big curtain call incident and him having to job out of the Godwins and stuff. So he's getting a little something here now. And the biggest, of course, boon to Triple H right now is that as Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he would always have a, a babe of the week with him. One of which was actually Sable, her yeah. first uh, appearance at previous WrestleMania with maybe even more wilds. The wild man, Mark injured everyone. <laughs> the aptly named wild man not appearing in this Aww. pay-per-view broadcast. But he gets paired with China, who starts appearing very, very, very recently in the crowd as, and I quote, that large bionic-looking woman. Bionic. This goes on for weeks of just that woman, that bionic woman. And all, always to a course of JR going, that's no lady, that is not, that ain't a lady, that ain't a lady, that's no lady. All right, like calm the fuck down. Yeah. Like, they really get quite salacious with the China, like yeah. you know. They're uh, trying to be PG and to not say anything that could make them be accused of being nasty. <laughs> but well, you've got Jer- more on that. Like you've got Jerry saying things like, "Speaking of faces, look at that bionic woman." She's got a face. And you think, I think you know what I'm thinking. You know, don't make me say it. I don't want to say it. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> So, Triple H, Hunter, Hurst, Helmsley, the blue blood from Greenwich, Connecticut, offered Marlena, the director and confidant of Goldust, a chance to be one of his babes. She turned him down, and now they're going to do a boring wrestling match at WrestleMania 13 as Triple H takes on Goldust. The highlight of this one, Triple H's fucking EU-ass national anthem theme. What fucking great entrance music. I know it's Ode to Joy. I know it's been used in a million things. But to me, it'll always be the, you know, the game Peggle when you get the last peg. (laughs) (laughs) To me, every time Triple H has been coming out on Raw, I've just been like, oh yeah, I should reinstall Peggle, shouldn't I? (laughs) Anytime I hear that music, I just think of Triple H slowly turning around in a nice robe, like, you know? Something I don't understand, if I don't know if it is the case with Triple H, but... Is Hunter Hearst Helmsley, is he Triple H? What do you mean? As in, is Triple H still this rich kid from Connecticut? I think so, yeah. Because they never, because that would have been something great in the Attitude Era. Is like, oh, how, uh, how have you been able to get this? Like the DX Express, is that, I'm fucking rich. Yeah. They've done They've, it a and few they never times, did. Yeah. I don't remember they ever did it with Triple H, Triple H where they mentioned he's fucking rich. I do remember... One time sticks out in particular from WrestleMania 22 where they had Triple H versus John Cena and JR to try, because they knew that Cena was going to get booed heavily at this yeah. WrestleMania, to try and get him over. JR was like, Yo, John Cena's just a kid from West Newbury. Like, he just, you know, he loved wrestling and he just trained, you know, any way he could. Triple H, he's a blue blood from Connecticut. He's had every advantage that money can buy. He's got personal trainers. He's got a team to give him a massage. He's got strategists. So they have a few times made out that Triple H is still this blue blood. He's well moneyed. Yeah. But it's again, it's when it suits them. When Triple H is a heel facing someone like John Cena, he's a blue blood. When him and Shawn Michaels are you know, talking about cocks, 
he's a wacky 45 year old so yeah. you know it's as and when it suits them because I think it would have been like throughout the attitude I, I think it would have added like a really nice wrinkle to yes. the character of Triple H if he was still rich yeah. mm-hmm. and always went on about his wealth I, I think, think that, would yeah. be, that would have been a great wrinkle to that nasty Triple H we got the problem with that I guess in their minds is that you can't have Triple H who's with the genetic jackhammer and billionaire headman Vince McMahon and the billion dollar princess mm. Stephanie McMahon yeah. and then talk about his separate money he was part of the McMahon family and yeah. that meant the money was Vince and Stephanie yeah so and Shane the money McMahon like so you were wondering about their PG comments on, on China and how they skirt around it uh, within 10 seconds of the match King speculates that China was breastfed by her father hence why she looks the way she does there we go there were some suspicious drops in commentary you mentioned this during yeah. Goldust's entrance what's that all about so you can hear JR and Vince talking, then there'll be 20 seconds of pure silence, followed by Vince or JR saying something, and then another 10 seconds of complete silence. Jerry has said something here, mm. repeatedly. I suspect I know what he said. Where the it- fuck was Vicky? <laughs> <laughs> Something has been said here that is definitely not PG. Yeah, and it's totally. been said repeatedly by mm. Jerry. Because yeah. it's only Jerry who is not speaking during Goldust's entrance. Mm. Well, of course, Jerry's had a very famous uh, salty language about Goldust mm. uh, on, on 1987 Raws in the past. Yeah. So I'm not sure. And if you're going to be one of our new generation elves who may know the answer to that question, uh, do send us a message on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever. Well, we can talk about how Goldust turned face because that's something that's upsetting that happened on Raw. Never, like, never worked this face turn, I don't think. No, it's oh and God, what a weird way to go about it as well. We all know about the time that Jerry said that comment about Goldust running around like a flaming that word. Yeah. But there was one time on Raw where Goldust was there with Marlena and Jerry gets in the ring with a microphone with him and he's like, I, I got to know I'm dying to know, we all have to know, Goldust, we need to know, are you... And Goldust like, what? You know, what? You know are you? And Goldust like, what? What is it, King? And he literally just goes, queer. And Gold, queer. He says queer, and then Goldust goes, no. And the crowd pops, and that is officially him turning Jesus face. Jesus Christ. And then in the package, like they they show a recap package of it where they bleep out the word queer. So honestly, whatever's been cut out here might not be as bad as you think it is. They might just be thinking, oh, we can't say that. Like, Isn't that the part as well where they had Marlena going like, and not only is he not gay, he's hung like a fucking circus animal. <laughs> oh, he's got a big dick. <laughs> yeah, you like, see oh, this cigar? Man, yeah. Like, yeah, It's half the size of Garth of it. Like. <laughs> it's too big. <laughs> I mean... One can only imagine, but one thing the WWF were very, very good at this point is putting on this facade of being the PG show. Hmm. And then anytime they got any sort of attraction, and they were always making noise trying to get any sort of... Because you know, hmm. the only people watching at this point were the real diehards, hmm. really. The ratings for Raw in 97, that Raw in Germany, that was like historically all-time yeah. low for many, many years. And there was no DVR to excuse it away or anything no. like that. So they were very good at making a stink and doing something really bad and out of taste, being called out on it, and then apologizing. Yeah. Uh, that was their MO, was that it's better to ask for forgiveness than to even consider that it might be in bad taste. They knew it was in bad taste, and they knew that if they for- said sorry, because they weren't 
a big publicly traded company mm-hmm. so they can just kind of go oh we're sorry we didn't know we're just a little guy we yeah. wouldn't know how to play by your rules and I mean yeah they can get away with this and yeah it's a different time and all that but it is that's pretty fucking shocking that's a face turn line yeah, yeah. I know it does the work because the crowd do not give a shit about Goldust nope. in this one at all don't give a shit about this match Goldust is on offense at the start, works over the nose of Triple H, who is not in the inner circle because they spent a good 10 minutes talking about how fucking huge his nose is. And <laughs> 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 even gets so far they run out of actual material that makes any sense, and King's like, his nose makes Pinocchio look like a cat! What? It's actually kind of cathartic to hear Triple H get so resoundly yeah. trounced yeah. on commentary. Like Triple H gets in control and unzips Goldust slowly. Maybe you are the homosexual. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Some long, long rest holes. The crowds are not sure what they want to see. See the evil blue blood win or the person whose lifestyle they resolutely don't agree with win. Oh, God. Commentators compare China to various men, horses, men who look like horses and horses who look like men. Oh, gorillas. gorillas. Oh, oh, gorillas yeah. as well. Fucking hell. Lovely. I, I mean, bet she's so happy she signed with them. Like, come to the World Wrestling Federation. We'll treat you like shit. It's it's is it really kind of wrong of me to assume that this would factor into China going? You know what? I'm going to have massive facial reconstructive surgery. Of course it does. Yeah. Because she comes back at Rumble '99. You know, that's like a big fucking unveiling moment. Where she's got yeah. new nose, new cheeks, new chin, like completely new head. And I don't know. I feel that WWE. I don't want to say they forced her into it, but they certainly made her uh, think about it long and yeah. hard, I'm sure. I know that her facial reconstruction was, like, a really good thing for her. Like, mm. I know it made her very happy and yeah. way more confident. And it was a very good thing that she had it done. But, yeah, I totally feel like WWF contributed to the pressure. Into like, her, like, yeah. yeah, those things can't exist in a vacuum. No. You know? no. Would she have done it without any of this? Maybe. Oh, maybe. But... but if you think it didn't factor into it, and it's mm. a bit naive, yeah. Triple H has got lots of bits of gold on him, uh, including on his, his lips somehow. Yeah. Hunter <laughs> Midas, like. <laughs> uh, I wrote down here, Jesus Christ, come on for fuck's sake. As yep. This match really drives. And you know what? When this match started, I was like, okay, you know, Triple H and Goldust, these good are workers. good yeah, workers. Yes. Yep. They'll get a good match. Did, did you hear what King said he wanted Goldust to do? He wanted him to cough up a spinal furball. What? He that... said, I want Goldust to get hit so hard or slam so hard, he coughs up a spinal furball. He's got cats on the brain, hasn't he? Or is he like, thinking of, like, owl pellets? Does, does that how Goldust eats? Like, like an owl? I really, he's got small little bits of bone yeah. and all that. I mean, Ooh. anyone else here, like, went through owl shit at any point in their life? Excuse me? Yeah, what? I, Sorry. No, I have, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. have too. You know. uh, uh, yeah. What? Well, I had to do it for an ecology lab. I had to go through. Mine was purple. Uh, I just did it. I, I just did it. I'm <laughs> literally having a dream right now. What is do you not this know conversation? About, so owls, they like in their stomachs. They like digest all the nutrients, all the skin and bone and hair. They suck it all out. Like it's, right. they essentially d- drain it of all liquid. Okay. Then they get. Then they leave the bone and the fur, fur, fur the stuff that like can't a little absorb. ball yeah oh that's so horrible what you can do then is for a, for a, if, if you're in ecology and university ask your lecturers to do this you can get some owl pellets and then tease them apart with tweezers and be like try and identify you can, you can see exactly what it's eating my, my guy was just straight up blueberries and shrews like <laughs> you know 
That's the name of my new album. Ben Don't you tread on mushrooms. Triple H goes for the top rope Bob Holly. Yeah, he's going to try and get in with that. I don't know. How do, how do you like him now? I'm Mary Poppins. <laughs> and those kids, <laughs> they're going to learn to love it. I'm sorry, I'm desperate for what I recognize and know. I need Bob Holly to get I through know. this. He gets a face full of keister. Yep. Great word, Keister. We'll yeah. be hearing a lot of it in 97. We've certainly we will. We'll a lot of it tonight. Yeah. You yeah. I mean, you could make a drinking game of Keister in this match and then uh, Rookie in the rock match that we had before, like, have a drink every time Rookie or Keister is said. Turn that bitch sideways and stick it straight up. Your candy Keister. Mm. Doesn't have the same ring to it. Mm. China intimidates Terry. Goldust goes to kind of pick her up and get her out of harm's way. Triple H bops into her. China grabs Terry. There's a vicious bear hug spot. Really awesome. Yeah. China like, completely ragdolls Terry. And then we get the pedigree. Triple H wins. And the crowd don't... They're actually... They're hot for Triple H winning. Yep. Yeah. Anything. And they don't care about Goldust. No. Even when he's like cradling Marlena like, you know, it's the end of Platoon. Like... <laughs> 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 Oh, Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak in there in cyberspace. Uh, Look at AOL Online. <laughs> he will figure it out sometime here today. Sure. I'm Vince McMahon. Talk up very loud and then maybe something small underneath. Here. Terry Wogan. Shawn right. <laughs> is just like pressing the keys with one finger at a time like a chimp. What's the point of this, sorry? This is the best of times, the blurst of times. Honestly, like, do you want to go online and chat with a man that won't reply to you because he doesn't know how to use a keyboard? Like, User what? Sean Michaels has lost his smile. Send <laughs> 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 the emojis with no face on them. Coming up next, Tag Team Championships on the line as the dream team of Vader and Mankind and their manager, Paul Bear, take on the British Bulldog and his brother-in-law, Owen Hart. Here we go. Here we fucking go. Here we go. Four people I'm very happy to see. And if there's one benefit of 1997 and rewinding back a year, I'm hoping, hoping to fuck, we're going to get to see a little bit of that proper Vader, you know? Mm -hmm. The Vader who didn't obviously have his fucking heart broken and was the butt of many a fucking mean fat joke and jibe, ourselves included, for mm -hmm. which I yeah. feel really fucking bad and shit. But hey, there you go. But uh, Vader, I'm excited to see more about. Bulldog as well. Yes! I've never seen this bulldog. Me mm. neither. And I know we're we're only going to get him for a, a limited amount of time because shortly after Survivor Series he yeah, goes. Yeah, he, he goes in solidarity, yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing Bulldog in a good light. I can't believe... I always knew he was really, really great. And like, I've always... you know, Anytime we've talked about shitty Bulldog, we've usually had the, the kind of closed brackets with a citation needed of we heard that he was good previously. <laughs> don't yeah. worry, we know Don't, that don't worry, we know it. But honestly, never watched it week to week. And... You know, I watch Raw and SmackDown every week for, for how to wrestling, and I've at the same time been watching the Raws as you have for 1997. And to think that the British Bulldog fills that Finn Balor level of yep. the mid upper mid card guy who's just going to go out and put on a great fucking match, insane work rate, can seemingly work with anyone. Mm -hmm. And it's the fucking British Bulldog. He is so good. And he's so over yeah. as well. People love him. Like. Incredible fucking athlete. And honestly, Watch 97 Raws and you'll be surprised and fucking delighted. If you need uh, to rinse your mouth out after watching lots of Bulldog from 99 like we did, well, 97's your man. Two years. Yeah. 
how can that be two yeah. fucking years? So sad, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, it's the trapdoor. Like, it's the trapdoor. One yeah. injury ruins yeah. it all. Unbelievable. Like, greetings from the future, or is it the past? It's Kevin and Adam here with a bit of a caption contest. Hello. Hello. New season. We're going off on a new foot. Yeah. We're going to do these every single time. Every single time. Hold us to that. Yeah. Even if it means the episode being delayed by a day or two. Yeah, we might release an episode <laughs> and then if someone points it out and we have to pull the episode from release and then edit it in a few days later, like, that's All your right, fault, f- man. Fuck like. that. No, I don't do that. Like, no, <laughs> that would be a PR disaster. We're no way. Really guarantee that we're going to do it every time, but we're going to try. We are like. going to try to try. That's the most mm. important thing. Now, what you may have noticed is that this episode was recorded before a certain announcement was made and many maybe have thrown their headphones down in anguish going, why haven't they talked about the thing that I want them to talk about? Oh, it's not timely enough. It's not timely enough? It's not a Hall of Fame. Billy Honky Tonk Man going into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. It's not a Hall of Fame. Oh, I got a good fucking dinner and got a dirty it. fucking plaque. Got a, limousine. Got, a, got a limousine ride. Got a three-star hotel. Got to sell phones and all grass at that hotel for an increasing price. I got a good dinner. I had a second good dinner because Coco Beware didn't have his dinner. Hey, you didn't eat your dinner. It's mine, man. It's mine. And then I got my check. Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> you can't see, you can't hear this, but Kevin is putting his tongue slightly out, just like Honky Tonk Man does in that video. Yeah, and I'm very, very happy that Honky Tonk Man has obviously, Adam, moved on from the anger of the past. Yeah. He's moved past 999. He's moved past Paula. You yeah. know, everything's cool. Everything's copacetic. He's in there with the, with Jerry the King Lawler. You'd think they're cousins or something. Well... It was a different time, man. It was the right. attitude era. It was, like, yeah. You know, it was a more aggressive time. Everyone was saying all sorts of crazy things. God, I remember like, 2013, man. It was fucking crazy. It was the attitude era. Wild like, West, like, you know. shooting on the Hall of Fame. Don't like. you remember 2013 when the Attitude Era podcast started? It was the Attitude Era, man. It was, <laughs> it was a different time back then. So we wish, we wish Mr. Man the best. No, we don't. We- Speak for yourself. <laughs> I do not wish him no, the best. No, 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 no. I mean, it's difficult because... Being a hypocrite is hard, and <laughs> you might think it's easy street, and you might just be taking it so you can get a good dinner and a nice plaque, but it's challenging to be, to say one thing and set down goals and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, red flags and barriers, and it's not easy just to smash through those red flags, and Honky's doing it, you know? Good for him. You know, and when he goes into the Hall of Fame, they'll get his own wing. That's not a Hall of Fame. <laughs> When you said winged, I thought of a chicken wing for some reason. Here you go. They were out of ribs. <laughs> Where were your ribs? <laughs> Abby didn't even have any fucking chicken wings for the Hall of Fame. What the fuck, Abby? <laughs> so, anyway. we captioned du jour, and we, we went with, we, we have to go with uh, Joey Robertson, who sent in a few lovely captions. Mm. And this was a close call, because there's one of Bradshaw going... <laughs> Yeah, that making was a big face. Tempting to use that picture, but of the three he sent us, this was the personal favourite for sure. Just seen so you know, on my caption that one, there he blows. But we're going here now instead, where we got a, a, an interesting set. This this picture, this still from the the main event, which we'll be discussing uh, imminently here on this episode, 
makes it out like it's a much more of a crazy, wacky affair than what we actually do inevitably get in our main event of WrestleMania 13. Yeah, it looks like a fun match. We've got a picture here of Big Bugger Red and Big Sid doing big boots in each other's big faces. Like. The reach is pretty impressive there, you know? Yeah. You know? Yes. I, mean, I mean, Sid in particular. He's on his tiptoes as well, look. Like, it's, it's quite ballet-like what's going on here. I'm very impressed that Undertaker is kind of... I mean, this is the problem when I'm looking at still image. I'm assuming because it's a still image, they're stood in this position. I'm like, look at Undertaker, he's leaning back there. He's, he's in the middle of falling over, I should point out. <laughs> so this one was posted to both Twitter at AE Podcast and Facebook.com forward slash Podcast. Adam will do some tweets. I'll do some Facebook posts. This got 397 comments. Yeah, and we have got... Fucking hell. And 184 tweets here as well. That's too many. you got to think that's over 500 there, Kevin. It's got to be at least a, a lean, mean thousand by the looks of things. <laughs> so, starting things off here, Joey Robinson. Oh, now, this is, this is a little bit... Uh, like insider trading here, that he has submitted the picture and now he's coming at me here with oh. an award-winning caption, let's what? just say. He's had weeks to think of this. Am I not bloody speaking English? Step forward with your left foot. <laughs> Call off the damn contest. <laughs> that man is our winner. Give that man the $5,000. Occupy Pro Wrestling on Twitter says, you put your right foot in, oh no, it's all gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Paul McAleese, and I only have half the leg that you do. <laughs> you come out here making me look like a jackass. <laughs> I'm really, yo, I'm really sad that like Sid is pretty much one and done here. We're not going to see much more of him. We're not going to see much more of Psycho Sid Adam. It's the <laughs> caption contest. It's the biggest part of the you. <laughs> My favourite Sid thing is, if you've heard on Patreon we reviewed Bob Holly's book, there's a bit where he says to Bob in it, You keep me sane, Bob! <laughs> Drive with me on the road, could you keep me sane? Yeah, you're my good luck charm! I often think, what would Bob Holly do <laughs> if he was in the situation <laughs> that I'm in? Oh no, Adam! There's a grizzly bear here in Westman! <laughs> In West Memphis, Arkansas! Should I fight it or should I let it wipe my hair clean off my head? <laughs> Harry Green, Taker finally shows Sid's the BSK secret handshake. <laughs> Gang warfare, man. Wrestling Memes on Twitter says the Ministry of Darkness had a lesser-known alternate gimmick, and it's a picture of the Ministry of Silly War. Boom! Like, banging. Lewis Clark. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime cow. <laughs> Benjamin E on Twitter says, This is what happens when Michael Flatley books your wrestling show. There's <laughs> a nice island reference for hey, you. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm from. Yeah. Paul Rini. These boots were made for walking. <laughs> that's just what they'll do. <laughs> One of these days, Psycho Sid is going to have half the brain you do. <laughs> <laughs> Something where I want to have that like that. Do, 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 do. Sit, sit, sit. <laughs> I think that will work, like. Oh, I, can we redo season four? I just want to go back and do just fucking Sid, like. Yeah, yeah. let's change our minds. Let's change just slam the brakes on the. Let's, let's tap those brakes. Brian Bradshaw on Twitter says, "You call that a shoe? This is a shoe. That's not a shoe." That's a boot. All right, all right, you win. I see you've played Shooey Booty before. Shooey Booty. 
<laughs> Shooey Booty sounds like something that Booker T would say in a free show. Like, oh, I was going to say Scott Steiner, but yeah. Like. Shooey Booty! <laughs> and then Booker T like, and that is why Brock Lesnar gets my Shooey Booty of the Week. And it's, it's a, a big, big boot. A big boot. Or is it a shoe? Booker T will never know. <laughs> Boyd Atkins, the fourth year. Boots to faces. All night long. <laughs> The Honky Chonk Man on Twitter says Sid was even more outraged when he noticed up close that Undertaker's shoe size was 22! Goldberg! Eric Hansen, The Undertaker vs. Psycho Sid, WrestleMania 13, March 23rd, 1997. That is an accurate caption! <laughs> you know, and we've had many captions. That is the first time someone has actually won the caption. That's what we were looking for Correct. all along, folks. Way. You got the right answer. <laughs> Now, you may not know, said uh, Eric, if you're not at your place of business or your home at the moment, there was uh, a brief uh, puff of fire, indoor fireworks, uh, confetti, and, mm -hmm. and... And Noel Edmonds is waiting outside with a big check, yeah. like, waiting to come in with the camera crew. Mr. Blobby's going to slop drop you. <laughs> <laughs> William Belmont, I'm going to start doing this, and if you get hit, it's your own fault. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I'm going to start doing this, and if you get hit, it's your fault. <laughs> Brian Bradshaw again on Twitter says, record scratch. Yep, that's me, the master and ruler of the universe. I bet you what? I'm just We're alive, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Yates. Oh man, this is one Donnie Brook of a boot to the goozle, Cole. That'd be a boozle, if anything. Seriously. Paul T. Altazin on Twitter says, It was at this moment where Sid realised those pills that Sean gave him were laxatives and proceeded to shit himself. And then now and whatever on Twitter says, Come here, boy. Gee, Taker, where'd you get such nice boots from going to shoe? Shoe, the shop, spelled S-C-H-U-E. Uh, as a former employee of the uh, of Oh, you shoe, worked at Shoe? I was. Did you ever go in Shoe? I, God, what a Did waste. Did you have Chew at Shoe? No, I should. I don't know what the policy of of, of, of Chew at Shoe was like. <laughs> Although, to really get, it was the most American badass it ever was because the only time in my life I've worn jeans. I, I had to wear jeans. Like. I've never seen I know. You. Oh my god, that's never occurred to me! I got sent out of work on my first day and told to go buy jeans. Joe, have you ever seen Kevin wear jeans? I've never seen Kevin without his beard <laughs> in jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this is mind blowing. You know when Dwight has to wear long sleeve shirts? Yeah, and it's all fucked up. <laughs> that was me. I burnt them at the end of my when, wow. I, when I left, like you know. How many years we've been doing this, pal? Years. Never seen years. you in jeans. Well, thanks for the entries of the Twitter and Facebook variety to the caption contest. In the meanwhile, it's time to pop back in the time machine and head over to 1997. Oh. Come on, little do they know that PlayStation Blimp is actually the flux capacitor for our time machine. We'll be back in time for cornflakes in WrestleMania 13. I just wanna go back, back to 1997. Own heart is very, very excited because last night at the Slammy Awards, yes, <laughs> woo, he did it all on his own, my sweet little self, and I have nobody to thank. You may have two titles, Bulldog, but I've got two Slammies. 
No, he doesn't. As a matter of fact, Owen Hart has stolen those slammies, and he does not own any of them. He did not win Best Bow Tie last night. That is inaccuracy. <laughs> he is not allowed to have that slammy, and no one seems to have the heart to take him away from the Rocket Own Heart. Mm. So, so it's Best Bow Tie he's won. Yeah. Um, and what's the other one? So te- it's, uh, according to uh, our, our sources here at Wikipedia, he's actually a three-time Slammy Award winner. Uh, he stole Best Bow Tie in '97. He then had Squared Circle Shocker in 1996. But my favourite one is 1984, where he won Biggest Rats. He's going to be sleeping with the fishes, like. Hey, no, no. <laughs> that award was presented by Joe Pesci, like. You didn't see 94. It was a proper contest. He had a really big rat that he'd managed to rear by hand. It was like. him versus Roland Rat, like. <laughs> Uh, JR interviews Bulldog and Owen okay. mid entrance. This right. is so awkward. Are you offended when Owen Hart said he was smarter than you and that he was the captain of the team? I'm trying to stir him up. Listen, you're a cowboy wannabe. You leave Bulldog alone. He's got two belts. Well, you said two slides. You said on television. We're the champions. We're going to stay the champions. I've got two belts. He's got two slammies. Quit trying to stir it. Well, who's the leader of the team? Let's give some context here because I've I've been watching like twelve weeks worth of Raw, whatever it is, and they've been building this up for a long time. There's been so, so yeah. much tension. We're not Heart Foundation yet, but Owen and Bulldog are a tag team, mm-hmm. and there's dissension amongst the ranks. Yeah, Bulldog is getting over as like a baby face. People are really starting to enjoy Bulldog as a wrestler, and Owen is very rattled and jealous, yeah, and uh, insecure about that. And I felt sure this was working up to a one-on-one match at Mania. Like they had a match, uh, they had a one-on-one match for the finals for the European Championship. They did a tournament to crown the first ever European champion. They ended it in Germany, and it was Davy versus Owen in like literally a five-star classic. It is like. one of the best sleeper matches ever. Go out of your way to watch that terrible Raw from Germany to see one of the greatest matches ever. So now Davy's won the European title, and Owen is even more jealous. And we've built up all of this, and every week you've got Jr. like. I know he's trying to do the whole like wrestling journalist thing, yeah. but it just comes off as the guy that's trying to stir shit up with the heels because it's always right before they're about to do something important. Yeah. He's like, "Hang on a minute now, boys. Now, uh, Owen, I heard you calling Davy a dickhead on Raw last week. <laughs> Davy, that's got to upset your feelings, man. Right? Like, I get out of here, you stupid cowboy wannabe." <laughs> My favorite part is when Owen is trying to explain the nature of the team. Bulldog is the muscle, I'm the brains, the strategy, I'm the captain, I'm the charisma. <laughs> <laughs> and you just want to hear any of it like, I've got two slammies, he's got two titles. I, I, the best thing about it is that he does a big problem with the Slammy Awards where he's talking about that and Bulldog's just laughing his ass off. Yeah. He, think, he thinks that own is the funniest thing in the world. So yeah, we've got this tag team who... Bulldog is a face, yes, kind of in spite of him, in spite yes. of the team being kind mm. of a heel team. And Vader and Mankind definitely heals. Paul Bear has like enlisted these two men to like destroy the Undertaker mm. essentially. I-, I love that the team's called Owen and the Bulldog. Yeah. It just reminds <laughs> me of like a like a road movie like from the seventies, like BJ and the Bear, like it's one of those kind of things. Oh, I was gonna say like a couple of shock jockeys on American radio, like <laughs> this, this is, is Owen, Owen and, and the, the Bulldog. bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody stop me. (laughs) I just like the idea of a road movie where Owen has to like bring Matilda the Bulldog all across America. All the way back to Stampede Wrestling. Thoughts on Mankind's poo attire. 
I don't like it. He looks shitty. So crap. Yeah. So, so crap. I get what they're going for, but it, it, aesthetically, it looks rubbish. They made a RuPaul reference here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, JR says that King's favourite queen is RuPaul, and Vince McMahon's like, ho, 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 ho. Oh, that's boy. a reference I understand. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, RuPaul is a queen that's actually a man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Vince even knows that much. No, I think probably he, not. That is the laugh of, you know, is the laugh of recognition. Vince yeah. McMahon is the laugh of non-recognition yeah. <laughs> talk about something like, else <laughs> like you've not heard it properly but you don't want to ask them to repeat yeah. the joke yeah hopefully no one's like has a follow up to their joke like hopefully this joke is the jumping off point for a protracted conversation because then I'm fucked <laughs> Vader and Mankind I like this team because one man took an ear from another man they've not really had much time to kind of fill in the blanks here but it's just really sad because this is a moment in time where the show, particularly Raw when it's live, it's a bit of a fucking train wreck. And like you've got Mankind, they're like, well, we're coming back from the break in a moment here, folks. We want to catch up with uh, Mankind and Vader. Mankind, tell me a little something about what's going on with you and Vader. And he's like, you know something? I've got a very long story to tell about me and Big Fan Vader. You see, you might think that Mick Foley, Mankind, has got a lot. And we're, we're going to break here now. We're going to have to, to if you can just finish up here now. It's a question time. I really have to ask you to stop now. I really, really, I, I know, but you have to speed, you have to speed up. Otherwise, I'll have to stop you. In 1994, okay, we're going back to break. So, the, the promo where they're going to explain this got cut away, I guess. Um, I'm side. really happy to see Vader being yeah. big and mean. He pummels the shit out of Onara at the start yeah. of this one. I like it. We get a glimpse of proper Vader here. Mm. If we see too much of proper Vader, we'll get too scared to continue this podcast. All four men get in the ring, and Mankind clocks his own head when he pulls Davy over the ropes and gets kicked to the back of the noggin. Yeah, Jesus. We also have the return of Legal Man Syndrome. Yeah! Which Vince openly references that the person in the ring is not the legal man. Fuck's sake. Like, you think with the boss right there, you'd fucking put yeah. your socks up, like... But he says as well that, oh, it's like, he's not the legal man, the ref just must be bending the rules. He will be fired tonight (laughs) (laughs) Bulldog's got some serious power like when he's in there with uh, Vader it's unbelievable of course Bulldog's power sometimes works against him Jim Cornette was brought back in early 1987 to restart his role as a manager with the Samoan squat team the uh, I think they called them the Arabian Butchers this time I don't know if you've seen the two Abdullah the Butcher looking lads two really roundy lads with roundy heads they look identical they're like 500 pounds but quite short and the idea was like, Jim Cornette's like, these are the two biggest men you've ever seen. You'll never be able to slam them. And they do a run-in. And the first thing that happens, they run into the ring and Davies goes, oh no, and scoops slams them both. <laughs> Fucking hell. And you never see him again. Oh no. And then Jim Cornette's like, I moved from Connecticut for this. <laughs> <laughs> Plug in the superstar line uh, in the middle of the match. Yep. Like if, you don't, if you don't like this, you can talk to Brian Pillman. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously, Brian Pillman and Sonny talking about Shawn Michaels. Like, that's fucking salacious. The like, fuck? Tell me what his dick looks like. <laughs> 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 it's a very primordial WWE app, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. I love the Superstar line, uh, mainly because the Superstar line is just a non-stop source of fucking like bad blood and gossip. JR did the Superstar line for WWE, and the Superstar line was a way, uh, or the equivalent, the WCW hotline, you had Mean Gene Oakland and Mark Madden were doing that. Mm-hmm. And constantly, 
you know the WWE and WCW were always suing each other that fucking hotline Mark Madden like they had to have set precedent about Mark Madden because he was saying shit about like WWF performers it was just completely out of line and they had to like set precedent that it was okay for him to do it because it was sports entertainment right. not really that. Yeah. it was just this was like not a fun thing to ring up it was a thing where they were taking shots at each other and taking dollars were at they, a time were Damn. they ringing each other because that would have been amazing <laughs> like Madden ringing them up like <laughs> So then Mark Madden and Mean Gene Oakland having, you know, the same hotline is very, yeah. very upsetting, like. Vince keeps calling for the mandible claw when it's not going to happen. Like, Mankind yeah. comes in for a punch, like, oh, no, it's the mandible claw! Oh, no, no, no! And he's, like, in the corner punching him. Oh, my God, any one of these punches could turn into the mandible claw! <laughs> oh, no, he's not going to do it now. But it is a dangerous maneuver. This is one of my biggest gripes with Vince is that he telegraphs stuff way too yeah. much. And even this whole angle, like, on Raw, we've been having tag team matches with Owen and Bulldog where there's, like, a bit of miscommunication or whatever. Ever, and Vince is like, oh, you gotta be thinking the miscommunication with these two. They're probably gonna be splitting up soon. I imagine these two are probably gonna come to loggerheads and have a rivalry of their own. And it's like, <laughs> why are you just giving this away? Yeah. Like, Very weird when Foley's in the ring with British Bulldog because uh, do you know that one of Foley's first ever matches was as a jobber against the British Bulldogs ah. of Davy Boy and Dynamite Kid. Nice. And they made him have to have his jaw wired after yeah. that match because they ah. beat the piss out of him. Ah. In this match... See if you can keep up, folks. Big Van Vader is called a bear, a grizzly bear, and a Kodiak bear, and a big hungry grizzly bear, and a wild Kodiak bear. All the bears. Have I ever told you my fun story about uh, a scary bear? A scary... A scare bear. A scary, scary bear called uh, Caesar? No. Oh, man, this is fucking scary shit. I, I did uh, animal research in a bear sanctuary looking at moon bears. Very cute, furry, couch-like creatures. But they used to home bears that have been, you know, captured and, like, had limbs cut off or oh, like used in circuses. Bile drain, exactly, yeah. And there was a big, dirty grizzly bear called uh, Caesar. And it was it was the meanest bear. It had to sit all on its own in this big enclosure. It had one eye and a big scar over it. It was literally like a fucking Disney villain. It was... Or a final boss, like... Yeah. Yeah. And it was proper scary motherfucking thing. And I asked one day, it's like, what's the deal with this bear? Like, why are they on their own? It's like, oh, well, a lot of the bears are troubled here, but this bear, Caesar, had a really bad relationship. Their owner literally just had them seemingly to torture them. They kept him in a cage all of his life. They poked her eye Jesus. out. They, like, abused it. They whipped it. All this stuff. And the bear was saved. The guy went to jail for, like, five years. And when the guy came out, part of his parole was that he had to go and visit the sanctuary to see about the work that they were doing. And the bear recognised him! The bear, who's normally docile, stood up and went, <laughs> A one-eyed bear recognised this guy from nearly five years ago, and the guy apparently shit himself. Oh, man. my God. So, a bear never forgets. To kill. <laughs> Fucking hell. Hot tag to the rocket own heart. We get some cool maneuvers in offense, but even cooler still, double team from Vader and Cactus Jack. Uh, sorry, Vader and Mankind as they do a combination cactus elbow backbreaker. Own gets beaten in front of his parents, which leads to a lot of fun talk from King. Yeah, he's not disco- he's not realized that Stu and Helen are there, and ah! as soon as that- ah! Ah! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they always hate it on <laughs> we get our grunt of the night in this match it's not a new one we've had it many times it's done to such perfection here Mick Foley does a proper with this with this with this and then a big massive wee, wee, 
head like a pig being slaughtered. Back of the head. That's the odd. Beautiful. Bull tag to the hot dog. He goes for the running power slam. It gets reversed into the... Oh my god, the mandible claw! There That's it is. the maneuver! The one which I talked about earlier! Vader's mask comes off. It's Big John Gaboric! It's me, Alistair. you remain pussies of but yeah, Vader just pops his own mask off. Yeah, I you know it's getting serious now. Like this makes the mask versus mask match next year even more pointless than yeah. it already was. Mankind gets bulldog in the mandible claw. A countout. Fuck off. Yeah. Yep. The one match so far that had any fucking anything going for it, and they ended in a double countout. Yep. And a double countout caused by mankind, and then they leave like, yeah, let's do it. We did it, boys. Yeah. You didn't get the belts. Highlight of this match was Paul Bearer when he came out to the ring doing his big turn and going, Hurr! Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of good. great moments with Paul. Like, there's a bit where he just, like, turns around, like, comes from below the camera, and he does that, Hurr! and just goes away again. And they say that he's gone a bit weird since he left The Undertaker. Yeah. What was he like before? Because I've always known Paul Bearer to be a complete nutcase. Uh, he was a real straight-laced competitor when he was hogging with The Undertaker. <laughs> I'm very excited. When I scroll through 97... To get to where we are, I see lots of screenshots of Paul Bear looking very angry and demonic. Yep. I'm really excited for the origins of Kane and yep. Paul Bear getting a big fucking shot on the mic. It's going to be great. That match, though, I mean, that end just ruined it. Completely ruined it. That was going to be my match of the night until the finish. Oh, my God. I didn't like the match, to tell you, you the not? truth. I thought it, there wasn't enough heat for it. The crowd wasn't into it enough. And literally, I, I was just being sour about it because the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking it should have been Owen versus Bulldog. Mm. Honestly, they, they if you'd have seen how long they've put time into this angle, Billy, and how over the angle is and how much people love Bulldog, I would have maybe even left the finals of the European title tournament till now, yeah. maybe. Do that at WrestleMania. Because the European title doesn't get any love tonight. Like, maybe they do. just crowned it and it's not here. Like. Mankind Invader could have squared it, And that would have been awesome too. Been like. too like. So all I could think about watching this was like, oh, this match is like just taking the place of what should have been two way better matches. Oh, they did the beat, the breakup angle the next night on Raw. The next night. Coming up next, what is considered to be one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. I quit. Brett the Hitman Hearts taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Imagine, for over a decade, you fought to reach the pinnacle of your profession. Through sweat and dedication, you've earned the respect of fans, friends, and even your adversaries. Then, you walk away. When you return six months later, nothing is the same. I've been screwed by Shawn Michaels, the boy toy. I've been screwed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've been screwed by the World Wrestling Federation. There are no friends. There's kind of a new motto in the World Wrestling Federation. You scratch my back and I'll stab yours. There is no respect. Everybody in that dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Even your fans have changed. At the heart of this change is a man who spits in the face of your every accomplishment. Ever since you came back, you ain't done nothing but cry. He has gained fame by attacking you physically and verbally. Steve Austin has absolutely become obsessed with Bret Hart. Steve Austin is a rabbit. He's a rabbit animal. This man mocks your legacy. He uses it as a stepping stone. Like a false prophet, he spews forth his rhetoric. Bret Hart on his best day can't lace my boots, and I'm going to prove that to the world. And I will. I will beat the hell out of Bret. And that's the bottom line. 
his followers carried placards singing his praise. Injustice after injustice has finally caused you to snap. Whoa! Frustrated isn't the word for it. This is Now, the finger is pointed at you. You're the one who's changed. He snapped, McMahon! He's lost it! Get him out of here! Drag him out! They say your ego is your enemy. What happened to you? There's only one solution. To awaken from this nightmare, you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes a breath the hitman heart then? Like a false prophet, he spews forth his rhetoric. I have sake. never heard a promo done in second person. It's so funny. It's like a choose your own adventure. What is this? <laughs> what happened to you, Billy? You are the one who's changed. You don't like 1997. <laughs> like every other sentence goes from second person to third person, then back to second person. As he squeezes the will from his bones. <laughs> this is dreadful. Isn't it? It was really, really, really weird. I... God, I mean, it is dreadful, but I really love it in its own way. Like, there's something about Bret Hart walking, and it's like, you walk yeah. away. <laughs> it, it, it's very much is indicating, I don't think they realize it, they're indicating like a real changing of the guard here. We're going from this hokey time with Bret Hart, and things are changing. Mm. And I think one of the most interesting things for us to be looking at is if we're looking at how the attitude is, is starting to, to come forth, and there's very little of the attitude era here so no. far. I mean, the, the most we're getting really is, is Jerry on commentary for, for, mm, for yeah. lack of better evidence. But here, I think through the eyes of Bret Hart, you will see, he's like the kind of the guy with his finger in the dab, like, things are going to get really fucking salacious. Yeah. And it's coming. And this promo kind of alludes to that. Yeah. And that false prophet spewing forth his rhetoric is Stone Cold Steve Austin. He wears an earring. He wears tight denim. He's not like other wrestlers. Ooh, bad times coming. And they're basically saying that Brett's legacy is kind of on the line here. Like, yeah. if Brett can't beat Stone Cold, then he's nobody anymore. So Brett needs to win this match. Like, Otherwise, you have to get into his car and go... And his car has to speed off again. So, Ken Tight Shamrock is our guest referee here tonight. He's a wide man, isn't he? Yeah. He's all man and a yard wide. Found out apparently from the uh, reporting at the time he was on a low seven-figure contract for coming in around this time. Well, that's what we like. We said earlier they were talking about it like it was a Mike Tyson level deal. Wow. Like they thought this was going to be gangbusters. The people that they were spending money on at this point in time. You had Ken Shamrock. You had Mark Henry as well. Mm. Like these were all getting seven fucking figures. And then Vince has to come to Bret Hart later this year and says, "I can't afford your contract anymore." Oh, geez, I wonder why. Yeah. Like, need that Ken Shamrock, Mark Henry money. The fucking glass for Steve Austin's oh, entrance. Yes. Now, we have only seen Steve Austin in season one and season three, and that Steve Austin is a very different Steve Austin, mainly because that is post neck break, mm -hmm. post surgery, and technically a Steve Austin who's not meant to be able to wrestle. I mean, if, if what happened to Steve Austin in 97 happened now, he wouldn't be back. He'd no. He'd be edge yeah. in the ring saying, sorry, I have to go now. This is peak physical condition, Austin. Yeah. Just the way he moves, like Austin has always been the consummate, like total, total pro. Like he, there's not an inch of like you can see through the character and like oh there's real Steve Austin. He's a bit yeah. nervous or anything. It's always total game face. Yeah. 
But him coming out here, I'm not sure what it was. If it was the glass, the kind of slightly primordial, old-timey, beta version of his music. Him, like, slapping the fans' arms away and kicking signs around. He looks so pissed off. There's something really pure about this Steve Austin. This is the real Steve Austin, I almost feel like. Yeah, Yeah. and I think when you are immersed in the 97 product and you've been watching all these matches, it makes him stand out so fucking much. Like, you can see easily why he's the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Vince McMahon is unfortunately doing everything he can in this match to ruin the the, the hot start, the hot pace, because these guys... It's fucking hell for leather. They go at it straight away. You know those matches where it's just it's like Rock Austin WrestleMania 17 where they just go. There's yeah. not this fucking lock yeah. no dicking around. Boom. Boom. We want to fight. Let's fight. And Vince McMahon straight away with some great commentary. Steve Austin is the best at what he does and Bret Hart is good at it too. Wow. That's Whoa. fucking great. And then Vince following it up with Bret Hart and Hitman Bret Hart going at it here tonight. <laughs> Are, are you taking notes, Michael Cole? <laughs> he, he points out as well that Austin is not a submission wrestler. So it's it's going to be pretty one-sided, this. His finisher up until like a month ago was the Million Dollar Dream. I know. Right? Like, come I mean, on. Come on now. You can do a submission hold. I uh, actually didn't catch any of this awful commentary because I decided to forego the commentary. I watched this match with Stone Cold Steve Austin commentating on it. And... Oh, is it him and Teddy Fowler? You know, it's just him going through spots. Really? And where, talking and where did one find this? It's on Daily Motion because he did it on his podcast like, and someone has synced it up and put it on ah. Daily And he's done it with his match with Kurt as well. I know he did SummerSlam. He did and, as well. He did, yeah, WrestleMania he did WrestleMania 17. They're all very interesting. So I watched his one with him and Brett here. It's great just so you can hear him say things like discombobulation all the time. Uh, Adam, was it what it was? It was what it was. Um, <laughs> Where the crowd may be a little more hot for Austin. Crowd sweeter, a little sweeter for Stone Cold, and uh, a cooler head prevailed. Apparently, very, so. very good, yeah. excellent, good to know there. First time where we get to chat about Bret Hart in the ring doing some actual fucking wrestling in a, in a long, long time. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I will use one word to describe Bret Hart, crisp. Crisp is the word, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's basic stuff done very, 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 very well. Yeah. The, he's the Gordon Ramsay, simple it food, is. Yeah. fucked well. Exactly, there's, no, there's nothing fancy here, there's nothing which you maybe haven't seen before, but you've not seen it done this well, and yeah. actually seeing it done this well just makes you appreciate just the basics done so, so well. And I often wonder if Bret Hart's one of those wrestlers where it's like... You know, oh, I mean, how how great can he be now where 20 years later, it's not fair to compare, but 20 years later, the work rate is so much different. What yeah. do you expect mm-hmm. to do? But Brett still has something here that I don't think wrestlers these days have. Like, he has something that very few of anyone else has ever had, where it's just, he has a clinical approach to everything. And whether you're with him or not, he will find a way to make you take that move look great. I've never seen Bret Hart botch a move. No, he's no, immaculate, so, pretty no. much. I mean, you know, Chris Jericho is meant to be a safe pair of hands. I've seen plenty of fuck-ups in Jericho matches. Mm. I've seen him lose his temper. I've seen him swear at people. I've seen all sorts of shit happen with him. And not burying Chris Jericho, but just saying that's the standard of a safe pair of hands never gets injured. Brett, if he fucks up, I'm yet to see it, mm. you know? Mm. Uh, so I'm very interested to see where we go with Brett going forward. Who goes after the leg of Stone Cold Steve Austin in such a believable manner. Like, Brett, watching him wrestle makes me appreciate things like body parts being worked yeah. and, you know, things of that nature. Austin hits the stunner out of absolutely nowhere, and we get some beautiful attempted PG commentary. 
Oh man, if his leg is gone, he's gonna be like a one-legged man in a butt-whipping contest. Ow! Bret Hart is beating the holy heck out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. The figure four leg lock on the ring post. Oh yes. Love it. Great spot. Bone-chilling pain, they call this. This is an odd one on commentary. You would have seen this out of, but, like, King is pro-Austin, Vince is very anti-Brett, and JR is kind of in the middle. Like, you've got yeah. King being like, Austin 316, yahoo! Wow. And, like, JR is a bit tentative about, uh, you know, promoting Steve Austin because of how vicious and, uh, and cold and blooded he has been. Austin is meant to be the heel in this one. Did you get that sense watching this match? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, this is one of the big things I want to talk about with this match because I think the way they wrestle, Austin is wrestling heel to start off with. To mm. start off with. Because he does, like, a few times he turns to the audience and he gets a big boo. Yeah. No, yeah, he has still got some heel heat. But the thing is, everyone always talks about this match always puts it over as the greatest double turn in history and how it was just the most perfectly executed, most spot-on double turn ever, 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 ever. Oh, mate, Del Rio and Dolph Ziggler, though. No. <laughs> what people never talk about, though, is that the turns kind of happened already. Yeah. Like, we've been getting yeah. it for weeks on Raw. Brett has been a whiny little shit. He's been mouthing off. He's been moaning, crying, pushing Vince McMahon over. Frustrated, this is a goddamn word for it. I'm pissed off. This is bullshit. And then you've got Stone Cold there going like, all you do is cry. Wah. And the crowd are cheering him. Like, yeah. the turns kind of happened. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely. cement it here tonight. But everyone makes out that this was some huge double cross. That, it's, oh my yeah. God, they swapped places. Like, we've had this for weeks. Uh, this is the first time I've seen this match. And I it doesn't feel like that. No. Just, just from the commentary and the, the, the package, it feels like... They're both heel, right? Yeah, you, and it feels like both heel, and, and then uh, then Austin becomes slightly face at the end. Yeah. That's what it feels like. like yeah. yeah, it's great though seeing Vince McMahon kind of getting progressively pissed off about this. Like when they go get the chair, Vince is like, "Ah, now they're oh, they're getting a chair and brought into the ring now, ladies and gentlemen." And Vince is not comfortable with the match from this point on. <laughs> you can tell he is not having a good time here. Is, have mm. they gone off script then? No, they don't. But I think that. Mm. They're wow. not at the point here where they're not at the point here in WWF where the road agents are like, "This is the match. This is every move. This is the finish. This is the story." With Brett particularly, and with Austin, it's like he's going over. You figure it out. It's your match. Yeah. And they're very much I think going for the it's better to like WWF. It's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. If they said, "Hey, we're going to do blood and chairs and strangulations and bells." No. This is one of the big things I found out about. Like, apparently on the day of this show, Vince had them both in a room and they came up with the finish. Like, Vince told them the finish. He's like, I want you to do this. I think this would be a great ending. And, and what was it, the finish that they do that yeah. Vince proposed? Yeah, and, and Steve was like, I'm not sure about that, Vince. And Vince is like, trust me, this finish is going to work. The stuff that they didn't talk to Vince about is apparently they only had like five spots really planned out in this match. It's almost like kind of like... Um... Like a fish bone. It's like a basic a fish skeleton. bone um, skeleton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's how I'd put it. Yeah, very well put. But uh, Austin and Brett went on Edge and Christian's podcast and did like a dual interview where they talked about this match in like in massive detail. And there was a strict no blading policy at the time. Like absolutely no one was blading. There was no fines in place or anything, but there was no blading allowed. And Brett, of course threw this fucking rule out the door whenever it suited him he bladed with Roddy Piper he, you know, did he? yeah he, he did loads of times where like going back even to like, you know, early rest, that's, like, that's Wrestlemania 8 which I just right. mentioned there like, 
Brett would constantly blade when, and Brett would just do it where he would do a really good blade job or he would do the, the hard way and be like oh it is accident yep. like, and he'd always get away with it really well Steve because he's so new to the company he was well hesitant about the idea of blading but then Brett said if you let me do it to you I'll blade you then it's on me if we get in any trouble I'll take the fall for it and Steve is like apparently umming and ahhing and Brett says right We'll decide in the ring if you want to do the blood. But if you tell me in the match that you're ready to do the blade and then you change your mind, there's no going back. We're doing it. You can't yeah. put the blood back yeah. in the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're in the middle of the ring and Austin's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And apparently Brett throws him off the ropes and as Austin's coming back, he's like, actually, on the other hand. <laughs> Brett just blades him. <laughs> apparently, like, they are both so chuffed because it is, like, the most immaculate, invisible blade job. No, like, I could, you I cannot see it. the moment where they do apparently, And for a bold man to do that as yeah, well. And Brett said they did it like in front of the announce table, in front of everyone, and no one cottoned onto it. Like. Wow, that's amazing because like, you know, there's 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 some shoddy blade jobs that were done. Like Flair, I went to WrestleMania eight. Flair did a blade job against Macho Man on mm. uh, the same pay per view, and it's funny because Brett did a blade job with Roddy. They got away with it because he said, "Oh, it was hard way because he cut over the eye." And Flair, literally, in his match is like he gets punched and goes to the outside and gets up like ah with like a line just blading, you know, <laughs> the curtains coming down. It's like you obviously bladed yourself, you fucking idiot. Pure goosebumps this moment here. Every time I watch this, it get it might even get me here now. It's one of those types of powerful. Even recounting it gives me goosebumps. When Brett is going to pilmanize the ankle, mm. uh, Austin puts the chair on his leg, and then Brett gets out. Brett puts the chair on Austin's leg. He's like, he's going to do like what he did to what Austin did to Brian Pillman. He's going to break his ankle, and like Pillman had to get his ankle fused afterwards. Brett goes to the top rope. Austin just grabs the chair and runs up and just does like a proper cartoon mm. massive chair shot. The crowd goes wild, and Jerry just goes, "It's WrestleMania!" <laughs> I let Austin rears back again, and it's just like when you see chair shots, it's kind of like the little safe, the small. Yeah. Austin is like literally, he's going back so far, the chair hits the ground behind yeah. him. He's, he's got like, the power of Odin. Behind oh him. Yeah. yeah, I'm fixing to win the grand prize at the carnival. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I ain't no sexy boy. <laughs> so when you're watching your version, did they say anything about Brett's daughter? It cuts to Brett's daughter. Oh, that's row. so horrid. No, but funnily enough, like by a weird coincidence, when I first got my partner Alice into wrestling, she went off and did a bit of research on her own. And she watched, this is the first match she watched independently on her own. Uh-oh. And she <laughs> told me that she was in stitches over this bit with Brett's daughter, if it's the bit I yeah, think it is. Yeah, Brett's daughter's got her hands covering her face. I mean, King, <laughs> King Postures, like, it's, she's been instructed to cover her face because she's so ugly. <laughs> she's a <laughs> little six. girl. Slicking on a six-year-old child. <laughs> <laughs> JR is obviously got his dander up here now because he starts throwing a little bit of WCW shade that as JR gets progressively more worked up, it becomes progressively more transparent. This is what it's about, folks. It's not about the past. It's not about posing. It's not about covering up a ball spot. It's not about creative control, Terry. It's not about what you did. <laughs> you know? It's like, all right, you went from past to ball spot. I wonder who you are yeah, talking about. Yeah, who could that here. be? Austin does the Boston Crab. Mm. Austin Crab. Love it. Brett goes outside and grabs a rope 
and starts doing a, uh, a choke spot and Jailos goes, Coward! <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, did you guys notice at one point in the match, Austin put Brett in some sort of crazy like bow and arrow lock? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've been doing some watching for Tajiri and yeah. Tajiri does the same move. It's like an octopus hole. Wild move. Austin said that he had no idea what that move is or what it's called, but he had no submission holds going into this. And Al Snow taught him that real quick. It's just wow. sort of like, a, here you go, use this. Like that's a, It's really cool. It's mm. like, I, I love... Honestly, it's a story in wrestling we don't get to see a lot of. It happened once in like 2000 where The Rock took on Chris Benoit in a submission match. Kind of being like, oh, he'll lose the title for sure. And like The Rock had to pull out like the figure four leg lock. He's like a Fujimura armbar. Because yeah. King was like, oh, there's no way he can win. I mean, what submission holes he got? I mean, like The Rock bottom. Oh, wait, no, that's not a submission. Uh, oh, hang on, the people's elbow. Oh, wait, no, that's not a submission. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a great story to it's, tell. It's like at uh, WrestleMania 30, Daniel Bryan and Triple H just pulling out all these different yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, holes that they don't do normally Timekeeper takes a big tumble as they brawl uh, at ringside this is where Austin starts bleeding big time and King somehow excited goes I got blood on me McMahon yeah this is this is one of those stories like riding up and down the road with Rick Rude that Austin I've heard him say this a million times I don't blame on Jerry Lawler Jerry Lawler's notes I remember he showed me like two years ago he still got those notes covered in my blood that's fucking gross. <laughs> Just be careful. You get too much blood on Jerry Lawler, you'll feed his inner demon and he'll become the old one. <laughs> Bret Hart gets the chair and starts wailing on Austin's leg. And this is now where Austin starts the selling from Austin. For a man who like literally doesn't take a fucking bump in all of 98, he just won't sell so much. Yeah. He's so protective. Seeing him here so vulnerable is actually really fucking powerful. Yeah, Seeing Austin be like, God damn, my legs don't work. Yep. My, I can't see. I'm covered in blood. Like, and it's just, you know, our last episode, you had to have a fucking 10 minute siesta because you could stop laughing about the blood. <laughs> yeah, this blood here is not comedic yeah, at all. It ain't Hulk, it's not Hulk Hogan, mate. <laughs> why, why is the blood here so effective then? Because it is a comical amount of blood but no one ever goes it's over the top and it doesn't feel over the top but it's still it's stupidly like there's a fucking the mat turns brown at the end of this match yeah. tell you what doesn't change colour though is the white of Austin's eyes yeah, yeah they true. stay white they stay Hulk white Hogan. or he just looks like he's always off again oh no leave him, leave him <laughs> he looks like he's stoned we still in that, got Hulk Hogan looks stoned in that match <laughs> There's blood everywhere. And I think maybe it's just because the blood is really warranted and like what has happened in this match seems to like necessitate yeah. blood. It's yeah, it's always about context. The reason why the Hogan blood is so funny is because that is a fucking joke of a match. This is a serious five star match that everyone's immersed in. The blood is gonna be shocking, not funny, like Brett gets kicked in the ghoulies by Stone Cold Steve Austin. JR calls him a sturge. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love it. He's young, he's mean, he's a Texas rattletake, he's sexy. Austin makes a comeback as Vince McMahon begins to apologise. Mm. He's like, I'm sorry, this is action is not indicative of the World Wrestling Federation and this is not the type of product that we will usually be showing you, ladies and gentlemen. So Vince is not happy. Of course point. not, he's pissed. And it does kind of like, it's like the wild party where like the, the parent is like, I didn't uh, I didn't say anyone could have a DJ. I didn't think there'd be any disc jockeys here. <laughs> uh, he's really not having a good time. We get the cord and the bell by Bret Hart. And he smashes Austin in the back of the head. And Austin's the big kind of wacky fallback. Yeah. Sharpshooter. And this is where we get the iconic moments. Where mm. Austin, like, in a pool of his own blood. <laughs> <laughs> you know about what you're saying? 
I'm fixing to bleed. <laughs> I'm fixing to pass out. <laughs> this is reminder cells, okay? As this was happening, I was like, I was being ripped away from where we were. Because I'm seeing Austin coming up out of this pool of going, Aah! and blood strewing down his face. And I'm like, I love presents. <laughs> like, okay, it ain't this Steve Austin. No. It ain't Bravely Bold Steve Austin. This no. is a much different Stone Cold that we're getting, and I kind of appreciate that we're going back in time a little bit. Yeah. This is a really legitimate character, and as much as I loved the wacky heel Steve Austin of 2001, this is just fucking, this is incredible. This yeah. is fucking unreal. This is moments in wrestling that just I think you could show that to anyone and they would like get goosebumps surely like mm-hmm. I can't believe Austin just manages to make the blood fall out of him in such like when he's screaming it just rolls down his teeth yeah like, oh my god iconic like so good he'll be using a million promo packages after this Austin seemingly breaks it like he pushes Brett out of the hole like no one has ever you know gotten Brett out of the sharpshooter but Brett doesn't let go it's like no he's still in there and he passes out. Soon as the bell rings, JR is like, Stone Cold, he never said I quit. He never gave up. But he passed out from the pain. So straight away, everyone understands this. Yep. And if it's Vince McMahon's finish, credit. One yeah. of the greatest finishes ever in wrestling. Yep. Instant superstar with Steve Austin right there. And it's uh, a well they've gone to one too many times now. Absolutely. Because like, back then, this was so effective. Like, Yeah, it, it's kind of, it has to be used very sparingly. And with two characters where, like, Brett is such an interesting character to watch. And I would have never said Brett was a great, like, character worker in terms of promos and all of that. Seeing him all frustrated mm-hmm. and seeing the stuff that comes from this and how he's channeling his real-life frustrations with his position in the company. Like, it's great. Like, it's, you know, bad for Brad Hart's mental well-being and all that, but it made for some good TV. It's mm. very, yeah, there's a lot of depth to that character. This match has been called the greatest match of all time. By many people. This was given five stars by Dave Meltzer. I watched this match, I'd say, at least a dozen times. Was this your first time watching it, Billy? Yes, I think so. How did how did you get on with it? It was great. I loved it. Yeah? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best match ever, mm. but it was, it's a great match. Adam, what were your thoughts on watching this one again? It is one of the best matches ever. I, I think I have got... Even just from Austin's library of matches, I think I've got more favourite ones than this. Is there anything you would like to say that pulls away from this that you don't like about this? Not really. No, I mean, possibly. I mean, the only negative I can do is like to do with the time frame. Like, mm. the. Because uh, I've seen the original match with the normal co- commentary on it, and I don't like the commentary. The presentation's a little bit iffy, but there's nothing that takes away from it. It's just in terms of matches that tell stories, there have been matches that I think have told stories that I prefer to this one. Yeah, right. This is still incredible. I've got no complaints about it. I think calling it the greatest double turn of all time, I think maybe... That gives it too much credit. A little bit. It doesn't need that accolade. It doesn't. It's a wonderful match, Like, but the double turn has been happening for like five weeks now. Like, You can't put it all on this one night. Mm. We cut back to uh, ringside as Austin refuses to be carried away. He's like, you know, tries to, to make it up to his legs. We get a great little standoff between Bret Hart and Ken Shamrock where he gets waist-locked and then Shamrock is straight into the shoot-fighting stance. Yeah. Like, come on! Come on! This is after Bret has attacked an unconscious Steve yeah, Austin. this is oh. like concrete. Just in case anyone didn't quite understand, Bret is a heel now because yeah, he's beating him up after. And Bret would never beat someone up after the match. Ever, yeah. ever, ever. That's not Bret Hart. Maybe his daughter will start looking there. Who knows? Like Austin said that at the end of this match, they wanted to make sure that even though he lost and he was defeated, that Austin's character is still Steve Austin. He needed to stun us somebody. And that's why there's a little tiny little wee referee comes in to check on him. And while Austin's doing his commentary, he's like, here you go, here comes that ref. And 
Botchamania's done it right there. Wham. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking worst. We go back to ringside as Vince McMahon says, I, quite frankly, we're not proud to present you a show like that and a match like that, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, he stops short of apologizing again, but you can tell from his eyes he's got the big Vince eyes. Mm. The... Oh, no, 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 I'm no. upset about that. Someone's in trouble. Yeah. Like. yeah. We're, we're not proud of that, but we're proud of the following match. Yeah. yeah. No, we are not cool. <laughs> Backstage, Todd Pettengale with the nation. A domination. <laughs> Do domination. Oh, the we nation. Are the nation. A baba baby, baba dee dee baba dee PG-13. Fucking love the nation of domination. Oh my god, this is such a weird group. Very quickly, straight off the bat, the yep. lads that come out rapping with them, PG thirteen. Yeah. Are those the lads that were upset at Too Cool for yes. Nick? Fuck off. This is a totally different They're act. Yeah. boys from Memphis and I think basically there's bad blood between between Wolfie D particularly. There's bad blood between them and Jerry Lawler. And Brian Christopher, a.k.a. Jerry Lawler's son. Yeah. Oh, we can't do any many Matt Hardy this season. No, he's not going to be around. <laughs> you have to become a backer and watch our, listen to our book reports instead. But they had uh, a lot of reasons to hate each other. Because obviously, you know, in Memphis, Jerry Lawler pushed his son more than he pushed mm. fucking PG-13. And PG-13 had that really kind of shitty run in WWE where they got on TV. They're like almost never mentioned by name. They're there as like... They're parsley for the set dressing yep. of the nation domination. Literally. Too cool come out doing rapping. Well, not, not even rap they didn't rap. It's a different no. gimmick. It's you know, PG 13 are very much like House of Pain, I think they're meant to mm. be. Whereas I don't think Too Cool are meant to be that kind of aggressive Brooklyn hip They're no lame. They're... Yeah. Yeah, it's much. It's more like Backstreet Boys. Yeah. yeah thing, there are a couple of B boys that like to dance. That's what, They're not rappers or anything. No, it's completely like... different. I think it's a, it's a big stretch to say they're ripping them off. The Nation of Domination. How do you remember the Nation of Domination from season one? What was the Nation of Domination, as you recall it, Bill? Not this. <laughs> um, they were just a bunch of guys... Well, they didn't really have... I can't remember any storyline, really. They hated Owen, DX. They hated DX. Owen was there for some reason. Yeah, enough was enough and it was time for a change. Yeah. They hated Jason Sensation as well. Yeah. And they, they hated people... Uh, they hated Blackface. What yeah. was that all about? What heels? <laughs> Pussies. Um, <laughs> Snowflakes. <laughs> now I can't really remember what their whole spiel was then. It wasn't this. We had joined them just as the Rock had kicked out Farouk as the leader yeah. and yes. kind of usurped it. So it originally started as like Farouk's group, and it was meant to be. And I don't care what anyone says; it's very obvious when you've got Farouk, and it doesn't matter that you've got fucking a muscled-up statue and you've got a, a Savio Vega there. It was meant to be a payoff. The Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, it, Black Panthers, black guys speaking eloquently with bow ties, tuxedos and stuff, and, and like. tuxedos and speaking, you know, in very aggressive terminology that, quite frankly, we don't understand here in the World Wrestling Federation, and them putting in. Crush and Savio and all that, and PG thirties basically say, "Well, it's not, it's not, it's not about power, race because obviously the guys who are rapping here are white, and Crush is here, and he's a muscled up statue, not a Black Panther. So what's the deal? It's okay. You're the racist." 
I, I watched like a little bit of that 97 Dawn of the Attitude DVD they did and they talk about the Nation of Domination and like they do the typical thing of like it wasn't really about race and then cut to a, a promo of Farouk introducing the idea being like you people don't want a black man as champion you people don't want to see a black man succeed like it's about race just admit it it was like, so about race and, and there's nothing wrong with that no just there's nothing admit, wrong that's with what having a storyline about race I, I would actually Honestly speaking, in the same vein as doing, you know, like the Daniel Bryan or the Straight Edge Society, where you've got a character who is vindicating his beliefs and hey, they're probably actually right, but it rubs the audience the wrong way, and you've got a baby face who doesn't understand what the big deal is. But I don't think WWE would ever be equipped to do it. Ever, never, ever. But the fact is that they they do it and they don't do it at the same time. They try to get all the salacious stuff here. The stuff that Farouk says to Ahmed Johnson in this feud is unbelievable. You have Farouk coming out, like they string up Ahmed Johnson on a number of occasions. The thing is the nation want to kill Ahmed Johnson because, and he is, and I quote, an Uncle Tom colored boy. That's what Farouk calls him. I've never seen a dumb black boy like you in my life. This is all stuff that Farouk says live on fucking Raw. Frequently. Frequently. It's not a one-off where he went off script. This is a constant, they are constantly using this verbiage. And the Uncle Tom moniker... If, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Uncle Tom is meant to refer to kind of like uh, from slave days, the type of slaves who would kind of uh, almost have like Stockholm Syndrome and be like kind of on the side of... of Samuel the, Jackson in Django. Yeah, yeah they you know, sleep in, in, in the, the big, big house. house. Yeah, like, and yeah. like, yeah. seriously? Like, I mean, it's so sad because like Ahmed Johnson was the first black superstar that Vincent Mann ever saw on his own and went, you know what, I'm going to push him because he's really fucking great. Without there being any kind of backstory, I mean, Junkyard Dog had made a big name for himself mm. in other promotions. Ahmed Johnson was the first homegrown black superstar from WWF. And we'll go through some of the highs and lows he's had. Some of the stuff that Ahmed has mentioned, and I'm sure he's mentioned but a pittance of what's happened to him. But, like, he's had the N-word scratched into his car the night he won the Intercontinental Championship. Fucking Jesus. hell. Uh, his, his cohorts and his comrades and compatriots uh, didn't like Ahmed Johnson. And Ahmed Johnson, by the way, folks, has got his own fucking patron as well. Yeah. Uh, famously with China saying, I ain't gonna let no bitch hit yeah. me. So... That's not to wash anyone's hands of anything. I think a lot of times people kind of might look at feuds like this and go, well, Ahmed Johnson said some hurtful shit, so it's okay for him to be called a, a dumb colour nope. boy or for us to do no, it's not. You know, angles that are meant to evoke the feelings of your lynching and stuff like nope. that. I think it's all in massively poor taste. And I shudder to think where we go because this is pre-gang wars. Yeah. Gang Wars is coming, so keep your eyes peeled for just, that. Just, just wait until we get the, the gang of South Africans promoting apartheid. Yeah, We're getting that this season, gang. The highlight of Interview with the Nation is where they refer to nunchucks as one of the weapons that they have. <laughs> Crap. Which I imagine they, they hit you and you kind of, your arm goes a bit dead. Yeah. Like Street fight, Chicago style. The Nation of Domination represented by Farouk. Savio Vega and Crush. Crush, by the way, he was legitimately arrested with a, a weapon and illegal drugs in his car, did go to jail, and they use it as the storyline. That's why he's with the nation, because he understood what it was like to be on oh. the inside. He's a thug. Goddamn street thug. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson coming out with the LOD with the spikes in Chicago. Love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I like it Fucking too. love that. Ahmed Johnson has got plenty said about him already in the world. He has got a silly voice. Yes, we know. We will get into all that, I'm sure, at points. I will say, though, watching Ahmed week to week, and this is the first time I've ever seen him, he's pushed so much, like, to the fucking moon. Vince loves this guy. 
unquestionably Ahmed's one of his faves. I was ready to be proper, like, let's rip into this. this he's like a Mark Miro-style motherfucker. He's crap, and we're going to take the piss out of him. But honestly, watching all the roars, I can't help but feel Ahmed Johnson is a star. because of presence. How, how he is presented, he is a big fucking deal. Way bigger than I expected, like... When a wrestler can come out without even saying a word and have the crowd react and like just have a look, and Ahmed's got the look, he's got the X factor, the, that intangible star quality. Mm. What he's not got is coordination, the ability to speak human sentences <laughs> without any sort of like. He gets amped up in the same way that Scott Steiner does. Mm. You know, he gets a bit marble mouthed. Yeah. But much like Scott Steiner, I think there's a joy and there's a beauty about that. I love when a wrestler gets so hyped up, like Hawk and Animal as well. Like. I've been a triple, all the triple matches I've been in. And Ahmed is the one with a funny voice. All right. Supposedly. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson, do you know what his catchphrase is, Billy? No, I do not. You're going down. Like the great power Uti. And then the crowd all chant, you're going down. You're going. There's something so wholesome about a crowd of 20,000 people going, You're going down. Yeah. Good Yay. guys rule. We're not afraid of the big bad wolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird seeing D'Lo Brown just as uh, oh, a man. A compliment. You look D- cute in that suit, though, you yeah. got to admit. It's him and Clarence Mason. Yes. Who I'm, I'm not familiar with, but I do know that he is named after two different famous lawyers. Yes, Clarence. And he's, and he's based off. Um, uh, Cochrane. Johnny Cochrane from yeah, the Ozo Twelve. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, the Nation of Domination had come out around about the time after we had the OJ Simpson trial, which I think did a lot to shake up the fizzy bottle of pop of race relations yeah. in WWE at the time, and Vince thinking it's a hot-button issue, so it's good to have an eloquent, well-educated black lawyer like Clarence mm. Mason, who honestly, in the same way as Goldust, they're presenting you this character saying, well, we're just presenting this character who happens to have all these traits that we know that you secretly hate deep down. Mm. Like, you know, they, they want people to hate this group for, for a lot of those reasons. I mm. don't think they have any leg to stand on saying they're doing this totally in good faith. No. I will say, though, there's something about seeing the nation of domination come out, all 9,000 of them, with that theme music, which I love, and you've got just this smorgasbord of like goons and guys and bodies yeah. I love different that. shapes and sizes yeah and it's the closest we get to the NWO in the WWF because their music goes on for ages and honestly we bitched about PG-13 earlier but I love their rap oh, they do great. it goes on for ages and all of them are stood there looking fucking hard as nails this group and this angle the idea is awesome like really good just it's, shut up Farouk like don't yeah, be saying that fucking shit don't like. use that verbiage don't go the route that you went because this is a really great stable like one nation under Farouk with liberty and justice for absolutely no one by any means necessary now that's how you interpret Malcolm X for five yeah like. I was gonna say it's <laughs> justice for none well not even Farouk and his friends straight up evil like. so, they are they're making like oppressive evil overlords yeah. Ahmed Johnson the first move he does is he clears the ring of nation associates and then somersaults over the guardrail onto the concrete and gives himself a big old wedgie <laughs> start as you mean to go on his poor little ass just comes out so often in this match Ahmed Johnson reminds me I don't know if you know the superhero Shazam yeah, yeah. where it's like a young boy gets this like super muscular yeah. body he's like wow I think like, Ahmed doesn't know how to control this thing <laughs> like it's a bit too much it's too much body for him Hawk silly in this match Hawk who officially according to his Lloyds of London insurance policy 
is retired from professional wrestling and has received his payout from his policy. Ah. He's only allowed to wrestle in tag matches, and that's okay. Okay. Hawk was taking bumps in this match. Yes, and yes, And Lloyd's of London got out of the business of professional wrestling very shortly thereafter ah. this. Like, did you see what happened with Hawk in the 2x4? No. Oh, this is literally only Hawk can do this, right? Because, you know, the 2x4 is a fucking difficult weapon. I call it 2x4. It's one of the longest pieces of wood I've ever fucking seen. Mm. He's going to wreck scaffolding. He has it. He goes to make a swing. He, the guy he's going to hit misses. It goes, bring, jumps off the rope, and Hawk just puts his hand up and catches it. Nice. I did see that. I did see that, That's yeah. Awesome. By the power of Grayskull. <laughs> well. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And what an, I don't know about you guys. I fucking love this. Yes, yeah, it's the carnage. Absolute chaos. It's meant to be three on three. It's like 12 on yeah. three. Yeah. There's always bodies flying. There's Fire people. extinguisher powder going everywhere. Animal tries to pile drive. Oh my him. God. On the tiniest table. And he's, he just tips over. Fuck off the I'll take what could possibly go wrong for a thousand points, please. <laughs> the pile driver, when it happens, the crowd go... Oh, and then the French announcers are like, "Way our tiny table is safe." Like, <laughs> Hawk adopts an early fancy booking idea of mine and puts Savio Vega in a bin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Savio Vega's heel. Yeah, the, the he great... turned his back on his country. Yeah, all of Puerto Rico is uh, is crying tonight because mm. the the sensation Savio Vega has got black jammies on tonight. Ahmed Johnson smashes Farouk through a table. The crowd are nuclear. <laughs> and the chaos going on, all this carnage, and JR just goes, they're, they're just beating each other up! <laughs> what about all the other matches tonight, Jim? <laughs> like, this is one of the greatest brawls. Like, this is... Like, ECW wishes it could do this, because when ECW went into the crowd and all this stuff, it was like, it's dingy, it's too small, Everyone's there's not enough space for the guardrail. Lots of space here, lots of tables, shit just getting broke. Like, Ahmed puts Farouk through a table, and it's got, like, three TV monitors on it, mm. and all the notes, and it's just, it's just breaking shit. This is better than any of the other hardcore spectaculars we had at WrestleMania yeah. or anything. Yeah. Just this unbridled chaos is awesome. It seems very little of this is gimmicked. Yeah. Like they're just grabbing, like, they're hitting each other with nightsticks. Jesus. The fire extinguisher causes the commentators to cough lots, and it legit pisses off Jim Ross. He's like, <laughs> well, I guess you don't want to have asthma. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's a no-smoking area. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward spot where they attempt to hang Ahmed again. Yeah. Not with an extension cable or anything. They've got a real they noose. They've got a noose. Not the first time they've done it. And no. even though they do it to uh, they do it to a white guy later in the match, ah, which so I'm it's sure not it's about, okay. It's not about race. It's obviously it? not about it's race. Not, say, it's not about race. Obviously. We, did it, we did it to Hawk as well. Yeah. It's just about the imagery that it conjures up, doesn't yep. it? You know? And it's kind of... You might think, oh, time has passed, so we can kind of forgive it and stuff. But like, honestly, it's it's kind of showing that when you look at the context, particularly with the OJ trial about there, it's them literally just trying to fucking stir the pot and yep. cause controversy. WWF was the fucking desperate child looking for attention in '97 by any means necessary. Like, D'Lo Brown, who is doing a lot of the bumping for the nation, yeah, not just here on Raw on pay per views. And he's referred to by Jim Ross as that guy. Yeah, yeah he's nameless. JR also calls the LOD the Nation of Doom. <laughs> 
What a rush. I like the idea of there being a legion of Dominegian as well. Yeah. <laughs> Furry takes a big spill over the top rope and the camera completely misses it. It's yeah. that type of a brawl like where there's just too much going on. Hawk gets the extinguisher. Like after JR Vince like, okay, that's not going to happen anymore. Hawk's like, well, I'm going to go around the entire ring. Where <laughs> <laughs> I left this two more. Shit, like Ryan and Jim Ross, open up. <laughs> it's fucking way too much, Hawk. JR is very upset. Big Man Crush gets the Doomsday device. Fucking hideous. Yeah. He gets a two by four clothesline. LOD and Ahmed win. I fucking adored this. Fucking awesome. Absolute chaos. And the perfect spot for it to be in as well. Right between the two yeah. main events. He needed a nice little breather, a good buffer match, and this was exactly that. Get a post-match brawl where Ahmed Johnson lifts up Dilo Brown for the Pearl River Plunge, which we get the Pearl River Plunge to this man. <laughs> this man, that guy, you better recognize it's fucking Dilo Brown, yeah? Double Doomsday device to PG-13 at the end there. Yes. And in a true WrestleMania moment, Ahmed Johnson, wedgie it all, puts on the hat. Hey! It's way too small. Yeah, WrestleMania. He's got a big old head. They replay the In Your House spot, and here we go, main event time. Shawn Michaels is out. Yo, Adam, where's his smile at? He found it. Hey! Where was it? Uh, it was right at home in his big pile of money. Oh, that's the place, yeah. And do you want to recap the folks about Sean having to go away for a little bit? Just briefly, broad strokes. Shawn Michaels not competing here tonight, folks. Allegedly with an injured knee, but he is good to go. Shawn Michaels was champion after Royal Rumble, and he was scheduled to be facing in backstage terms. They were setting up Brett versus Sean at WrestleMania. The rematch, yeah. The rematch, where this time Brett gets to go over. And Sean comes out on Raw and says that he's been fighting off some knee injuries, he's been having some nagging issues. But worse than all of that is that somewhere along the way, he lost his smile. And, Vin- and Vince McMahon is there with like tears in his eyes, like, oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, can you believe this? Like, And they ham it up so much. The next week they play the uh, Leave the Memory. Is it Leave the Memory? No, no. no. Tell a lie, is it? Tell me a lie. Tell me a lie. uh, I lost my smile. (laughs) (laughs) And then like two weeks later, you've got like fireworks. It's like, the heartbreak kid. And he's back and he's like, I'm working on getting my knee in good condition again. Yeah, uh, Shawn Michaels was doing stuff like taking fucking backflips off the top rope and landing on his knee and dancing around going, shh. You know, not since Mr. America have we seen someone keeping a facade up so poorly. Like, it was really fucking shitty. And the reason why Brett put over Sean at WrestleMania 12 is so he'd get to put it, get put over in WrestleMania yep. 13. That was the that's business. That's, that's the business. That's the dealio there. The reality is, is that you know Shawn Michaels apparently, you know, he did have a legitimate injury. He yeah. needed time off. He probably could have been good to go or done this you know it didn't have to be a smile thing it was a knee injury mm-hmm. but it got framed as like his passion had been taken away from yeah. him I think what happened was that Shawn Michaels realised unlike everyone else like Diesel Scott Hall Bret Hart even uh, Stone Cold or Undertaker unlike all these guys he was locked into contract for another five years and there's no renegotiation with that money is tight mm-hmm. so how do you add dollar value to yourself you make yourself more of a commodity you don't be there yeah, and that was apparently people had said to Sean, "If you do this, you'll they'll want you back, and you'll be a bigger star." And it's very funny that this equates to at WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels is coming out hugging the fans and shaking hands to make himself more valuable down mm. the line. Yeah. I don't mm. know. 
I will say though, them hugs and handshakes have a higher work rate than the main event we've got coming up. Yeah, he is shaking hands and like slapping fives so long that his music restarts three times. Yeah, they have to loop it over. And, hey. and McMahon's going there going, look at Shawn Michaels, he oh. is pure prime pork. Yeah. Pure pork. Ugh. I want to stick Christ. it in that, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Todd Pettengale backstage with the master and ruler of the world. Because when you are so vicious, if your teeth come apart, you are not doing your promo. Todd Pettengale, you are right, my friend. WrestleMania is the biggest event of the, of the world. And it comes once a year. But the night when darkness falls, every man, woman, and child Only one person is not scared of the darkness, and one person is not scared of the Undertaker, and that is me, my friend. In the game we play, I am the master, and I am the ruler of the world. It's WrestleMania, Todd Pettengale! It's the biggest event of the you. <laughs> he made it five seconds before botching. <laughs> He said is being played by Michael Rooker this oh, evening. God. He looks so much like Michael Rooker, doesn't he? Yeah, so I see funny. that. The best thing about this is Sid's on his way out. We're not going to see him much of Sid here, unfortunately, in this season. We can see a bit here. But the biggest bone of contention that Brad Hart has is that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And the WWF champion, Psycho Sid, you're an uncoordinated goddamn giraffe in that ring. Call him a giraffe! Yeah. Oh, he's not a giraffe. He's the master and ruler of the Serengeti motherfucker. Do we need to go over how we got to this main event and this title picture? Sean lost his smile, so the belt was vacated as a result. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had a big showdown at Final Four with Stone Cold and Vader, Vader involved. Well, yeah. Coming away from that, Sid won the belt and was champion, right? Yep. Brett won. This is so complicated. Brett wins the belt at Final Four, and it's like, Brett Hart is the new champion. Okay, back on the road to WrestleMania, full steam ahead. Brett Hart has to defend the belt against Sid in a one-on-one -on -one match, because Sid was entitled to his rematch from uh, the title from match Michaels. with Shawn Michaels. That's it, yeah. So on Raw, they start off the episode of Raw with, we're going to do Sid versus Brett right now, let's get this over and done with. Stone Cold, <laughs> Stone Cold comes out, interferes, stops the match. Halfway through Raw, they're like, right, let's try again. We are not like that other company. When we promise a match, we deliver. Let's go again. Stone Cold comes out and ruins the match a second time. Third time in the main event slot of the night, they do Sid versus Bret Hart. Stone Cold comes out, costs Bret Hart the match. <laughs> and now Sid is the champion. And this is like, what, four weeks before Mania? Three or four weeks, We've yeah. had the title hot potatoed. Since Jesus. Royal Rumble, it went from Sid to Sean, from Sean to Vacated, from Vacated to Brett, from Brett back to Sid again. And the week before, they did Brett and Sid in the cage, implying that whoever wins this match will be defending the belts. Oh my god, yeah, right before WrestleMania. So it was like, oh, it could be Brett and Taker WrestleMania, or it could be Sid and Austin. It's so fucking stupid. Really bad. You can just tell that no one has any time for this match. Least of all the competitors in this one, the highlight of this one is A, Undertaker's entrance, his look, the, yeah. the the classic gear that he wears. He wears the gear that he wore for his first WrestleMania match. I love the flickering lights. Yeah. I love the, the, the way the spotlight shines on him. I think Taker looks like a million dollars. And to invoke RuPaul, he's got excellent contouring on mm, him as well. Yes. Uh, and also, the urban legend that Psycho Sid 
I shit his pants for this match. <laughs> God damn it, in the ring with a 500 pound savage, I shit my pants. <laughs> Can you explain that, Cameron? Or are you the bomb.com one? <laughs> So, uh, did you hear about this one, Bill? Uh, this match, or...? Uh, that, that Sid shit his pants? No, I did not. So, allegedly, Sid, quite a nervous man, a performer who's not really ever had the killer instinct, never a ring general was Sid. He was always uh, the giraffe to lead through the spots. Yeah. Uh, Sid was very nervous about main eventing, and also main eventing against The Undertaker, who was expecting to have a very good match. And this is Taker's, you know... This is one of these things where it's WrestleMania 13, at least we can give Undertaker a pat on the back and say thank you for doing fucking shit matches with Mabel and Diesel for the last, you know, six years. So, Psycho Sid's very nervous. Allegedly! Allegedly! In this match, when Psycho Sid was picked up for the Tombstone... He shit his pants. What, before the actual yeah. move was hit? Yes. And that Sid did a poop of his pants because he was a scared of the match. And Taker's nose is going to be right in there, right? I did so much research. <laughs> I went full-blown. I was Robert Stack here. I had dry ice. I was wearing a goddamn trench coat. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. So I did some digging and I found out that there is no one who can confirm this 100% one way or the other. The close I got to, uh, old gumshoe man here, remember I told you ages ago that there was a dickhead I met at WrestleMania 25 who's in the front row of yeah. every single WrestleMania? Yeah. He's here tonight, folks. Okay. And as soon as I found out, I was like, did Sid poop his pants? And he said, that's disgusting, and walked away. And he wouldn't tell me. So, uh, now... If he hadn't pooped his pants, surely he would say, hell no, man, why would you say that? But maybe he was traumatized by the shit, and mm. then was like, why would you bring that up? Mm-hmm. That WrestleMania, all I remember is the dank smell at the back of my nose. Mm-hmm. So maybe. The other thing that we heard was that there was a, a, a rumor that Undertaker revealed in an interview that it did happen, but it happened at a house show before this. Mm. But Psycho Sid, there's a better than not chance that he did shit his pants with The Undertaker, it just may not have been here. Damn. So. Can we pretend it was? I mean, I was there asking to slow down, getting a hard copy. Enhanced. Enhanced, yeah. But I wasn't able to find anything on my, on my supercomputer. Damn. If anyone has any further information about this, please contact us and let us know if shit did sit his pants. Imagine if he shit his pants after he broke his leg. Oh! Like he's out, he's out rolling around on the floor if only just like you pull off the big loads of shit. Com- makes brown like. Oh god. <laughs> Jr. Very casually brings up the fact that the Undertaker's never lost at WrestleMania, mm. and he refers to the champion as Big Old Sid. Oh, Big Sid. Sean Big says coming down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me shit my pants. <laughs> Sean says that Psycho Sid is not smart enough to be afraid and what is the most gilded fucking compliment yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Who's the man? Who's the man? I'm the heel. Fist bump me. Who's the man? Sid's the man. I've got my collection of men who I like. And my men ask, who's the man? Okay. I call them my who's the men. And in my who's the men stable, I've got Psycho Sid. Who's the man? I've got Devon Dudley. Who's the man? And we've got Lars Sullivan. Who's the man? <laughs> and if you have any other who's the men, let me know. I'm going to add to them. Big man. boss man. Big right, boss right. man. You're the man. You're <laughs> the best man I've ever seen. So we got a lot of uh, who's the men going on here tonight. And that is... Most of the positive things I can say about Psycho Sid. He may not have shit his pants and he says, who's the man? And he's very wet. Sid looks great. 
Good look. He's yeah. got a great look, yeah. That music, that. Da- Love that. And he has that look in his eyes. Oh. Badass. Then he starts wrestling. Ah. JR says this one is all about one thing. Who will fold their tent first? WrestleMania. <laughs> the granddaddy of them all. I'm serious though. Roll up a tent like. Yeah, no. Who can do it first? It's, it's hard. Impressive. Bitter Bret Hart comes out. Oh. Vince holds back his younger, sexier son, Sean. No, don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> Sean's not even trying to. Sean's just like... All right. What? I'm sorry. I've not reached a high enough level of smile to give a shit about this one. <laughs> Sid power bombs him. The match starts, and then Sid's like, "Get out of here! You're a cry baby." What did you cut? Brett did a little promo, he right? Did, yeah. He says like he points at Shawn Michaels and says that he's like a phony with his like phony pussyfoot injury. You, you should get out of here. Me. Then Undertaker, he turns to him and he's like, "A new dead man. When you slam that cage door in my face, you slam that door on our friendship." Yeah. Friendship. I mean, you know, the conscience of the WWF had on They're both faces, if that's what you mean. Pretty much, like, yeah. yeah. We won't be thrown together in tag matches anymore, dead man. But what's great is Undertaker does have a little pout and he's got a teardrop drawn on his face, so it is yeah. like, damn it, Brett, I thought we would be friends forever. I, mean, I thought it a fraud. A fraud. <laughs> I thought that the tear was because the Undertaker had killed a rival gang member, like, he killed a member of the clique, like, that's why he's got one tear, like, you know, the BSK, if you put one of them in the hospital, they put two of yours in the morgue. Like. <laughs> so Sid powerbombs Brett, who then rolls off, an odd way to start. And you know what, I'm sitting here going I like a hot match you know JBL and Batista that was the low expectations yeah. for a big boy match I had and fucking hell I've seen Godzilla movies from the 60s with a higher work rate than this yeah. Sid it is your actual body not a rubber suit yeah. use it yeah. like Sid barely looks like he's trying and Taker's gimmick requires him to be slow and yeah. not sell yeah. and not sell so this does not work slams headlocks Slams, headlocks, mm-hmm. the other rest holes. Uh, this is really fucking tedious stuff. Highlight of this sort of is for when they rolled outside and we have all the chaos from the previous match. Yeah, yeah the, the shit brawl. everywhere. The most 1997 reference ever. This is like the set of Twister. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Dante's peak references there, yeah. Sid's rest holes and axe handles. Come on, you schnores, do something. Seriously. Psycho's in busting out the fucking axe handle. What the fuck is this? CM Punk in 2013? Like, what, shitting yourself and doing low impact axe handles? That's all I can think of. Like, how could you follow the last two matches with this? You, you don't. You shouldn't have. I would have bought Chicago, Ahmed the Big Star, Nation Domination are all over the show. That could have been the main event. Yep. You know, you could have put this in between the two as a buffer match. Taker and Sid trade rest holds. You know what this is? This is literally just someone saying the title has to go on last. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Make Brett and Austin for the belt then. You can still have Brett go over. There's like so many things they could have done. Taker and Sid trade rest holds. And my favourite part of the match is where a boring chant the crowd are too tired for to pick up speed. It's like, boring. Uh, they they haven't got the energy to even hate this match. Yeah. It's been a, it's like this is a three hour WrestleMania as well. Yeah. By today's standards, this is a nice short, tidy show, and the crowd are knackered. And this like. is Chicago. Imagine putting this on in a main event in Chicago for the belt now. Oh. Yeah, fucking hell. They're stuck on a loop. Mm. Like they just do the same three Literally. spots over and over Repeating again. Themselves. Take it as a top rope clothesline, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. good man. And they do, for the first time ever, Taker has the tombstone reversed and he actually gets it hit on him. Tomb Sid Piledriver. Right in the blood. Brett appears. Again. 
hits Sid with a chair. Vince McMahon, this is my highlight of the match. When Brett comes out to interfere for the second time. <laughs> oh my God, could you believe it? What a loser Brett Hart has turned out to be. A loser. And when he comes in, HBK goes, Jesus. <laughs> he really is so pathetic tonight, Brett Hart. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone is like, come on, Brett. Really now? Get a hold of yourself, oh, man. Oh, Brett, you smell as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Goozle. One, two, and no, he don't got him. He mm. don't got him. Uh, Tombstone Taker wins. The end. That is the worst main event of a WrestleMania ever. I mean... I mean, ooh. Oh, okay. I, I disagree. But it's the worst. Well, you think Brock Roman is worse than that? Yes. Or or John Rock too? Yes. Oh, actually, it's been a lot worse. This was at least it was only fifteen twenty, was it? Yeah. And, and Brett coming back out kept breaking it up a little yeah. bit. That was a bit of variety. I guess. One thing we didn't mention there though is I think Brett basically cost Sid the match. Yeah, the, Sid had to have an out because Sid wasn't going to do a job. And then you've this. got fucking babyface Undertaker posing with his belt like, "Yeah, I earned my victory." This what you did in 1997 like where you've got an office that has to care Sean's lost his smile he can't be in a match Sid won't do the job unless the, you know it's it's kids it's, it's, it's unbelievable yeah. like to think this is like when we're talking about oh you know back when men were men this is when these were the proper fucking gladiators of wrestling and everyone's fucking hurt feelings what a bunch of snowflakes literally <laughs> you know literally does, does anything get made of the slow count there no because there's a slow count because the, the ref goes one two three and uh, it seemed a bit weird that he's done it like that. Like something like the match was supposed to be even more long. Like you know what they could have done it. Uh, maybe that was they're hoping to keep Sid around because Sid fucks off. And maybe if they were keeping Sid, they've an excuse to, to hang on to him yeah. for a little bit more. But an awful match, and it's kind of like the last two matches. Like okay, ninety seven, we're getting started. We're, we're doing something a bit different here. Hardcore brawls. We haven't been seeing those in WWF before. Blood, a great storytelling match with huge character moments like Bret and Austin. Then you follow up with this where it's like, oh yeah, this is why wrestling has stunk for the last yeah. four years, yeah. like, or even longer, I guess. WrestleMania 13 was not as bad as I remembered. I liked the street fight a lot more than I ever remembered. I liked the tag match with uh, Vader and Mankind. Apart from the finish. Apart from the finish, and Bret Austin remains an all-time classic. Closing thoughts in this one. Uh, we'll start off, uh, Adam, your first time going through WrestleMania 13 start to finish. How'd you get on? I don't think this is the worst WrestleMania we've ever looked at. It was a lot better than I expected it to be. Was it better than 15 or 16? I think so, because I had higher expectations for those yeah. shows. I feel like they had more potential. Having watched so much Raw going into this WrestleMania, I had low expectations because the product... It ain't hot at the minute, folks. It's like WrestleMania 30 this one. You yeah. go with rock bottom expectations. Mm. They give you a little something and you think it's great. Like, and yeah, <laughs> I went into this thinking, like, I'm going to hate all of it, but I'll like Bret and Austin. Even having that street fight turn out to be as fun as it was. And, like, you know, the way it was paced, the way they broke up the matches and segments, it felt a lot more watchable than a lot of the manias we watched. Yeah, okay. Billy, first time for a pay-per-view in 1997. You've got to look at if look at your face like a smacked arse at the moment. What's uh, what's your take? I I'm going to be surprised if every episode and every pay per view that we cover I like more than one or two matches per pay per view. So you reckon I, you're not going to enjoy this? I, I think overall, I think I, obviously I know I'm going to have a certain standard. I'm going to enjoy with Owen and Bulldog for the times got left. I imagine I'm going to enjoy. Brett until he goes. Mankind, headline next pay per view. There's, there's, you know, there's a couple of guys. I'm like, okay, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Kane coming as well. But just just from this alone, mm. and knowing that a lot of these characters are going to be around, we're going to see more headbangers. Mm. You know, we're going to see more terrible gimmicks and a lot more nation in. as well. Yeah, more nation. I just, I I, I could very well be uh, wrong, and I could end up turning around on this. So I'll be interesting to see if I turn around on this. So this like Billy with his arms folded say, yeah. well maybe I'll turn around. <laughs> but this is like this really wasn't a good start for me. For the most part I did not enjoy the show. You know what though, if I recall the start of season one you had a similar reaction to it yeah. where you were liking yeah. maybe one or two bits and it wasn't until a later yeah. stage that maybe it started to pick up. You were very much him. a naysayer at the start. Yeah. yeah. It's just so old. Just yeah. just so old. <laughs> <laughs> Match of the night, MVP P, 22 years ago, just to think about that for a second. Crazy. A lot of people listen to this wouldn't have even been born when yeah. that show went out. Match tonight, MVP, Adam. Easy, Brett and Austin, yeah. like without a doubt. And I'm going to say Brett as my MVP. Yeah. They were both fucking spectacular performances, but Brett's selling was incredible. And Brett was like, this is Brett Hart we're talking about, one of the most ultimate white meat, pure baby faces. And yet he came out fucking three times in the main event being all like, oh, I didn't get my way. And he made himself look like such a little jerk. Yeah. And I love that. I love that Bret Hart, one of the most like sensitive, protective guys of his character, went all in on this heel turn. I'm dead pleased. A lot of the bad memories that people have of Bret or Bret being a crybaby, it's so funny because I used to hear all that and I never watched 97. I was like, oh God, yeah, people must know the behind the scenes and all that stuff mm. and be reading yeah. the dirt sheets. They're, like, just no, getting, he's doing they're, they're getting works. Yeah, yeah. They're doing it on telly. Yeah. Yeah, was Brett Bear? Yes. Was he actually pushing people down going, frustrating the gun? No. no. It came to a head at Survivor Series. Yes, they had a fight. He pulled some hair at some point. But you are being worked. It's like the same people who think, like, oh, Eric Bischoff was, like, the character he's playing on TV. Yeah. Or, you know, they're playing dialed-up versions of themselves. I mean, I was about to say, maybe we should all go, right, let's not pick... Uh, Everyone's going to pick Austin Brett as the match tonight. Can we pick another one? But if I say we did that, we'd all just pick the street, street fight. fight. So I, think, I guess yeah. it's a moot point. Billy, yeah. uh, match the MVP. Agree with Adam on both counts yeah. for the exact same reasons. Yeah. Knowing how Brett saw himself and saw, I'm thinking what his position should be in the company mm. of being, you know, the moral arbiter, the top baby face. Yeah, yeah. For him to put his pride aside to be this whiny little fucker, I, I think it is commendable for him he obviously hated he was screaming on the inside and to channel that in a creative way and it can only be cathartic to, su- to such a degree at the, there is a point where it's still going to be like weighing on him i guess so yeah. that means it's not just yeah. oh it's selfless because it's cathartic and he's working it out that that'll get you so far mm-hmm. that won't deal with the issues yeah. there is a bit of self-sacrifice there mm. for brett i can't believe even one episode in that i'm like Bret Hart, British Bulldog, my absolute two top guys. I didn't think at all that they would be the people who I'm like kind of championing. But I'd have to echo both of you guys for those ones. Maybe a shout out to Steve Austin as well for someone being told, look, this is what we're going to do. It's going to work. And him trusting Vince and Bret mm-hmm. and the crowd. It just, it was, it worked perfectly. And Austin deserves credit because how many times have we seen someone be set up for something like, this is how it's going to go. And they just don't they own it. it. They yeah. whiff it. Austin owned this. And again, Austin, who's, we all know, doesn't like to look like weak or vulnerable at all. And whatever about Brett being vulnerable, Steve Austin, that is the most vulnerable his character ever is, yeah. is at that moment in this match. So, yeah. WrestleMania 13 in the books. I would say check out 
the Street Fight, you've already heard to check out I Quit Match, but Street Fight, definitely a solid recommendation. A crazy brawl, the likes of which we didn't even get to see during Season 1 or Season no, 3. No. The type of match that could only happen in 97, before there was a budget, before we had, you know, all of our spots carefully planned out, yeah. and all of our gimmicked uh, bits and bobs to play with. I can't recommend that you sit down and watch WrestleMania 13 No, start definitely finish. not. No, 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 no. Don't no. do it. The best thing that can be said about this one is that there was a surprising lack of production errors after the first one or two that we had because their production yeah. live at this time is ropey as fuck. Yeah. Raw ends mid-sentence so often. Yep. The Raw after this, which is meant to sell Taker's first challenger, Mankind, is like Paul Bearer, Mankind, spit up. And Paul Bear comes out at the end of the show and he's like, tears his eyes like, Undertaker, you have to take me back. And then it cuts up to Mankind going, Uncle Paul, where are you, Uncle Paul? And Undertaker's like, well, I'll tell. And it just goes off air. So I don't know what the fuck's happening next pay-per-view. Rubbish. That, I guess. They, they Sopranos. Like. <laughs> <laughs> don't stop believing. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the inaugural episode of Season 4 of the ITR Podcast. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, make sure you give us a rating or review. Spread the word, tell a friend, and Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast for caption contests, videos, goose, and much more. And give us a follow at AE Podcast on on Twitter. If there are any moments from this episode you would like to see put to video, then please get in touch at Biblops on my Twitter. You can find shitloads of videos on our Facebook page. We've got moments from classic episodes, moments from new episodes, and lots of previews of Patreon content. So if you've never checked out the SmackDown Crawl, any of our Bibliotechs or Gamesmanship video episodes, you can find lots of nice little sneak peeks on our Facebook page. And if you're a fine purveyor of stuff and things, head on over to MatthewsBotchamania.com. Ooh. New season, new Billy. New season, new year, new me, bro. That, that means you're just not going to do it, then. No, it probably, means that, probably means that next episode I'll go off the rails. Yeah. Unfold those arms. <laughs> I don't like this tone. Put that cigarette out. Do you know what show we're doing next, boys? What's that? In your house, Revenge of the Undertaker. Oh, man. Going to be kicking some assholes' ass. We've done it now. If you want to support the Adshira podcast, you can and get access to a whole bevy of bonus content for your eyes and your ears. Get access to over 50 episodes of the SmackDown Crawl, all of our gamesmanship video review series, and our Bibliotech book report podcast series. It's all available for a simple $5 backing, gets you immediate access to the entire back catalogue and archive with at least two new pieces of content every month for $5 backers. Become a $10 backer, get access to over 25 Q&A episodes of myself, Adam, and Billy, or become a $20 Dan Seven Tier Mega Backer and get access to all of our commentary tracks for wrestling movies. Recently added includes The Marine, The Flintstones, Stone Age Smackdown, No Holes Barred, and of course everyone's favourite, Ready to Rumble. They're all available of course from selfie.com slash podcast, but you can make over a 70% discount if you become a one month backer at the Dan Seven Tier. Got all of them for only $20. Well, that's going to do it from Season 4 until next time where we're going to be revenged by the Taker. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. I'm me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era Podcast.